Hello, Swellians. Deadly here. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, live from Ulladulla. The very first show from the Are You Kidding Me tour, featuring an evening of conversation with Mark Ocalupo, Kirk and Russell Bjerke, Mark Rabbage, and the Swellian Queen herself, Pam Burridge. Now this is an easy listening episode recorded on a Thursday evening in the back room of the Ulladulla RSL. The carpet was classic old school burgundy red and the vibes were warm with a solid smattering of South Coast Swillian core lords making themselves at home on the leather couches and at the standing tables. Although this was not the usual high voltage mayhem that often comes with our live shows, the stories are nonetheless incredible, as you'd expect from such an A-list cast. As always, ATS Live is brought to you by our major partner, Billabong, brethren of the Swillians and purveyors of core goods that stoke to maximum froth levels. Maybe do yourself a favour, head down to your local surf shop and deck yourself out in that Billy's goodness. Maybe some of that award-winning graphene neoprene that Billy's is doing so well. Maybe some boardies, maybe a hoodie. Who cares as long as it's got the Bong logo on it. Only a Swellian knows the feeling. And one final note, to everyone who has donated to the Swellian Supporters Drive, me and Smithy would like to say, on ya, you fucking legends. Our goal is to bring you heaps more eps, heaps more often. And we're looking at trying to drop one every single Wednesday from now on. And the only way we can do that is with your support. So if you'd like to make a contribution, simply click the link on the Swellian Instagram or head over to our website, theswellians.com. Thank you very much. Mad. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ASP are gonna find me, because I wanna be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now, I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the whoop, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous ways. Oh, custom table thing? Oh, surf looks good, Alvin. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys, welcome to Ain't That Swell Live from the ex-servos in Ulladulla. The Are You Kidding Me to a Vaughn? And, uh, you know, there's really only one question on everyone's mind. What's that? Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. Uh, I've got a long and storied history with this part of the world. I uh, first came down here, I think, around about 15 years old. Surfed uh, one of the slabs around here. We're trying to keep all of the waves nameless. If any let slip, we'll uh, make sure to bleep them out in the version that goes to air. But, yeah... Rocked up at a local slab. Uh, and who should be there but our good old friend Jacques McCoy and David Rastovich and uh, Dylan Longbottom. The Yeti. Shooting for, uh, I think it was Blue Horizon. And, uh, yeah, the thing that kind of sticks out in my mind about that surf, uh, surf session and in general kind of surfing down here is I just remember being 15 years old and, and they wouldn't paddle around me. Raster and Dylan Longbottom, they, they, they sat wide at me and, and just let me... Being 15, uh, you know, full-blown city slicker kook, 
uh, basically sit in the spot and go sets. And I think even to this day, man, I come down here and I'm a rank outsider from the big smoke. But, um, you know, I'm always treated well down here. And I, I think the locals, the way they just... The version of localism they have down here is this really dignified, mild... Uh, yeah, I really enjoy it, man. I really admire the way they go about surfing down here. Like, the, the good guys fucking pack the sets and, and that's all that matters. And it kind of flows down from there. And I think it just works really well. So I have a lot of respect and admiration for the local surf community. And, you know, I've always felt welcome here. And, yeah, fucking sick. Mad. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I agree. The locals uh, down here have always been unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the two clips that just dropped in the last few weeks, uh, ingrained, Birch's clip and uh, Flow State by Russ Bierke. How psycho are those two things? You're in a big cheer for the crew. But uh, I, I've had a, you know, mixed, mixed uh, relationship with the locals down here over the years, especially when I was the editor of Surfing World. I remember coming down here once on a trip and... Uh, coming in from the surf and, you know, someone had kindly let my tyres all the way down. I think they thought I was going forward driving or something like that. Thanks heaps <laughs> for that. And uh, another time I came in and uh, written on the back windscreen of my car, it said... Uh, you are no longer welcome at this location. You bald fuck. Ah, subtle. Very uh, that, subtle. That actually hurt my feelings because I still had a hair at the time. So... <laughs> I think I was in denial. Thanks heaps for, uh, you know, getting me through that difficult patch where you, you're kind of not really admitting that you, you're on the recede. You know, the tide was running out. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for having us down here, crew. This is like a real thrill for us to be in Aladala to kick off the Are You Kidding Me Tour? And uh, we're going to put on a good show for tonight. We've got some really special guests. We do. Are we going uh, to bring them up? Why don't we do it? Our first guest is a man with the most freakishly God-given, goofy-footed talent the surfing world has ever known. Of Italian and Kiwi blood, he was born in the small industrial complex of Kurnell on the northern tip of Sydney's southern shire. Thrown into the ocean at nine, he began winning events at 13. He left school at 15 to join the Wazzle, made the 16 in his rookie season, finished third in the world the year after that, and at 19, won the Pipeline Masters in giant heaving chambers of mortal conoquence. He's appeared in literally thousands of cult surf movies, none more notable than when he played himself in the Hollywood epic North Shore. Hey, Alex, come jump in with us. Right. I love skin diving. Rest assured, there's fireworks every single time this bloke paddles out. But nothing will ever top the majesty of his surfing at eight-foot groomed Bells Beach during the 97 Superskins, a high-water mark for backhand surfing that to this day is yet to be topped. He's the 99 world champ, and he appeared on Dancing with the Stars in 2014. The King of Kurnell, the Messiah from the Shire, the heart and soul of the Bells Pole, please welcome Mark the Raging Bull, Hockaloopa! Great to be back in Ulladulla, wow. I, I, the last time I was here, must have been in the 90s, and um, we were here doing a challenge for Billabong. And uh, Jack McCoy obviously was filming that, and... Uh, 
everyone was probably pretty young. <laughs> you could have all been grommets, but um, but yeah, it was a good good. Um, we done these challenges all over the world. We done one in J Bay. We started them up in um, northwestern Australia, up in Nalu. And the one we done here, we had pumping waves. Like Sunny Garcia was on it, uh, Shane Dorian, and we got a big, big swell. It was very scary. Fuck yeah, Nine Lives, man. That film was <laughs> fucked up. That was a. Uh, I might be biased because I was a kid at the time, but I look at that film as you know that was for me the apex of style and performance. It all just came together on that trip with those surfers. Uh, so many talents. I was watching it uh, just the other night in preparation for this, and I, I wanted to pick your brain about it. Uh, but, yeah, when I, I was flicked the film on, and I noticed at the start it's dedicated to Andrew Ferguson, the, uh, the great blackfella surfer from Coffs, and I just wanted to, um, you know, he's a guy I don't know a whole lot about, and I wanted to pick your brain about him first, yeah. man. What can you tell us about Fer? Oh, he was a really good surfer. Um, God bless him, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, you know, was just, he was a really good goofy footer, Really good style. Um, I went up north uh, to Nalu with him and, and uh, you know, he was, uh, yeah, he was a really good man. Yeah. I, I, all his um, family, I was just up in Coffs recently and hung out with um, some of his family. Uh, and, uh, yeah, good, really, really good people. Yeah, yeah. I want to know, yeah, what kind of a personality was he? I mean, what He was pretty shy, he... you know, like, um, he was pretty shy, but, you know, he... He uh, loved to laugh and um, didn't necessarily like the camera. <laughs> but, you know, he was uh, very angelic. It's a big word for me. Um, <laughs> you know, he, but he was just a really good guy to be around. It was good for me because at that stage when I got sent on that trip with him, I was really big and overweight. And, um, and I just hung with him and Margot and... Uh, and it was good people to be around while I kind of got back on the training program. Yeah, just uh, the Billabong challenges, uh, you guys remember them. They were kind of almost an antidote to the tour at the time. The tour was uh, following summer all around the place. Uh, you'd been off tour for a few years. They, they decided to hold this special event with the best surfers in the world, with the best waves in the world. And they went up north. And that was the first time we really saw you surfing again in, yeah. in some time. You were sort of just starting your, your comeback. I and was. I was I, just getting off, you know, I mean, I was just losing all that weight. And, um, and then they decided to have those events. And it worked for me because, you know, like you said, like when I was on tour the first stage, it was held in really small waves and there was heaps of events. And, and then it was the Dream Tour and, and that kind of prepped me for it, you know, going to Nalu and Jay Bay and, um, and here and, and, and surfing really good, you know, in big waves. And um, so when I got back on tour, that was an advantage for me, just having the practice. How did you feel, you know, coming back from uh, everything that you'd been through and getting thrown out at, you know, Nalu, a wave that obviously suits you so beautifully? Chunky waves up against Kelly for the first time in your career. Up against Machado, Johnny Boy Gomes was on that trip. Were you shitting yourself or were you, were you ready for it? Um, no, I, I was, yeah, I've always kind of been scared in big waves. Um, but, and up there's yeah, kind of a little, or a lot scarier because if you hurt yourself up there, it's a long way to go to hospital. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, you kind of, we got the big swell and, um, you know, I had done a lot of training, so... You know, and if it was a right-hander, I would have been extra more scared because it's a bit easier surfing that wave on your forehand. But but Johnny Boy was scary. Um, you know, like, I, he was a good friend, but he used to, like, intimidate the shit out of me. 
just <laughs> I'd go to Hawaii and um, you know I'd hang with him for most of the winter and we'd you know hang out and do everything and then the next winter I'd come over and he'd be like what you looking at <laughs> and I'm like it's me Johnny boy and he'd just try and psych me out and like act like he's gonna come and punch me but then he'd just laugh and he'd go ah I'm only joking and then we'd be hanging out again but yeah but um but you know it was was he friendly with you up there or he was just yeah a, yeah was... yeah he loved it up there um Sonny always gets a bit out of his comfort zone because Sonny likes all the and en- en- oh, I can't I feel like I'm trying to say that word from Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? Amenities or whatever it's called. Sonny likes his TV and McDonald's and, you know, everything. And, uh, and so Sonny, you know, we all camped at Nalu and it's a two-hour drive to Carnarvon, but Sonny wouldn't camp. He stayed in Carnarvon and he drove his car every day, like, and trashed the kayak car. Like, the high car at the end was just like the, the mud guards were falling off and it was, <laughs> shit was falling off it everywhere. And he lost his heat and then I think Jack filmed and he just burnt out and the car's going... <laughs> but, you know, and then I went to, you know, I went to Sumba with Sonny too and stayed up there waiting for a swell and, and that was really primitive. So he likes, you know, he grew up in Hawaii and... And you'd like, you know, like to have, you know, everything at his hand. But, um, yeah. And what about Kelly? Because th- did you have much to do with him before that event? Uh, definitely um, not in a, in a competitive sense. No, right? yeah, was, well, not really because I guess because my first time it was Curran, really not Kelly. Kelly kind of maybe just first come on, I'd already left. But, um, but yeah, like I started to, you know, surf against him and, you know, he was, yeah, just, just Kelly, you know. I mean... He's very friendly, but then he's tried to, you know, tried call you out, out like you should have gone that way and you should have done this and that, like, <laughs> like yeah, always has. Why didn't you go that way? And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not as good as you, but... But, uh... <laughs> yeah. From there, uh, before we just get back into the nine lives and coming down here... Yeah. You surfed against Kelly there. That was the start of your comeback. I yeah. remember working on surf mags at the time, you know, everyone was... Tripping. Everyone was going, you should have seen Ock up at Nalu. Like, it is happening. He's coming back. And then you sort of sealed that comeback by meeting him again at the Pipe Masters. I did, yeah. So that was probably the second time. I mean, good memories of surfing against him in perfect waves. But I, like, that was probably that next... Well, might have been that se- that very same year, but somehow I got into the Pipeline Trials, which unlocals rarely get in, but I'd won the contest before so they let me in and a few of the Hawaiian guys weren't happy about it. I can remember Liam McNamara just trying to curse at me and hassle me and pull my leash and I'm Not just, like him? No. And I'm just like <laughs> kicking him, just going, get the fuck away from me. You know, like splashing him with water. But um but anyway, long story short, I made it through the trials and got all the way through to the main event and got met Kelly in the final and I broke my board. That was my excuse why I didn't win but um <laughs> But that night was the night that I wanted to go back on tour and I was staying with, like, Gordon Merchant, the founder of Billabong, and I told him that I wanted to go back on tour and he's like, that's not a good idea. Um, But, you know, I convinced him. But, yeah, that was the start of it. (laughs) Thank you. Now, uh, fast forward to Nine Lives and, um, you know, there's some big personalities on that trip all packed into a bus. I'm interested to know, like, when you're deciding where to surf, were you guys almost punching on or, like, how did you even figure it out? (laughs) Oh, Crazy swell you got for that trip. Yeah, crazy. We're in the bus. You know, we all met in Sydney and we came down and, um, you know, you got a lot of different egos and stuff and... uh, 
And it was fun. I mean, I, I'd like, I, I tried to ring Jack McCoy this afternoon and he, he shined me. He, so I wanted to, I wanted Can to, you like, imagine that? I wanted to oh, get, talkie. Yeah. face down. I wanted him to refresh my memory, you know, but I can definitely remember Sonny on it and um, Shane Doran. Well, the morning we woke up and um, surfed the wave. As oops, I'm not allowed to say that. No, we'll bleep it we'll out. Bleep it. Oh, shit. Sorry, boys. No way. Don't uh, bash hockey in the car park after the show, like, folks. We'll bleep it. It was like um, 12 to 15 foot, and I couldn't believe it. And Shane Dorian was straight out there. He was surfing it like it was like small sunset. And I was like, well, he's going to be hard to beat today. But, you know, that was a pretty scary day. And then um, we surfed another right-hand slab, and, um, and it was, yeah, it was amazing. It really, it was incredible down here. Like the boys were, especially the wine guys, their eyes were like, they were just like, this place is fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like that about a week a year. It's probably worth explaining to them. But uh, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested to uh, pick your brain off as well. Like you know, so many different styles and approaches uh, on that trip. And as I said, you know, for me, just the absolute pinnacle of where kind of design, performance, and style all just kind of climaxed in surfing. Like someone like uh, Rob Machado. Uh, you know, what comes to mind when you think of Machado surfing? Yeah, exactly that. You know, he's full, full of style. Um, he really is. You know, he, it was a shame to lose him off the tour so early. Um, you got pretty thoroughly fucking stooged, too, yeah, didn't he? He got, he got done up. He really did. He was like, we used to have to, um, you know, like, go to the board. Like, all the surfers used to make the vote if you got the injury wildcard or not. And you had to, like, go, you had to be in Hawaii and sit in front of the everyone and tell your story. And, like, some guys were crying and stuff, you know, like, this is my livelihood, I need this fight. And then a few guys were going for it. Like one guy That's gets like it. tribal council, isn't it? It's like you, tribal council. You're standing there in front of all your peers going, get Clark, me back on tour. How was that with Russ Clark Jones on Survivor? That was radical. <laughs> and they, they, they didn't make the rope like, thick enough. This shit's enough. easy. You should try and get a fucking injury And they didn't make the rope thick enough and it snapped and he snapped his foot. I'd be suing him. Yeah. I'm sure he did. Far out, I wanted him to win. They asked me to go on that shot. Dancing with the Stars was good enough for us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the Cha-Cha. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Opelupo and his partner Jay Brand to the floor. <laughs> Oki! How did you go on the dance floor, mate? Oh, I lost my sense of direction right there. But I'm um, pretty nervous out there. Well, um, well done, guys. Let's see what the judges thought of you, Todd. Oh, I'll be clear. It was the worst routine we've had on any series <laughs> in 11 series. You didn't know where you were. You had no concept of partnering, Jade. You were out of time. Your steps were wrong. You did lose direction. It was just... Truly <laughs> awful. Okay. Uh, Sorry, mate. No, I don't care. That's Sorry. sweet, mate. Helen. Dancer. And hey, hey, he was on Hey, Hey Saturday as well. <laughs> I was going to bring the bell in today, but I forgot. <laughs> you forgot your bell? I forgot a few things. I forgot to go to the toilet too. I'm busting that. And then that, they asked me to go and I didn't do it. Then they got Ross, but... Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, back to well, Michelle. Where was I? Yeah. What, where, How did what, I get to that story? Ah, uh, mate. Don't ask yourself ah, that question. Out. 
What was the best surfing you ever saw him lay down? I'm interested to know. Probably at Nalu, like, and Pipe. Like, you know, he was, he's just like a modern-day Jerry Lopez, like, far out. He was so good at Pipe and so good at Nalu. It was ridiculous, um, you know, and just so, yeah, he, he, I love the way he surfs. Really do. I'd love to get you to, to kind of pick a party surfing too. Like just, you know, if you could give us a bit of your kind of read on, on what made Machado surfing. Machado surfing. Yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, I guess he's not powerful, but he's just so smooth, you know, and, and in the barrel he was really good and just, you know, when he surfed a good board, you know, he'd surf really good. I, you know, I often see so many surfers, you know, that I'd like to see surf, you know, even Kelly included, I'd like to see him surf a board that he used to surf back in the day to make him more powerful. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, when Rob's on a good board, you know, like in good waves, back in that day, he was untouchable. And uh, another big name on that trip, obviously, Tom Curran. And you had a fair rivalry with him uh, in your days on tour. But, yeah, what was your relationship with Curran like in and out of the water? Uh, it was strange, yeah. <laughs> um, me being an extrovert and him being an introvert, it was some funny conversations went down. <laughs> I, I, used, <laughs> I used to, ta- I don't know, I used to just like, I don't know, you probably saw some footage, I used to do interviews with him and answer his questions and stuff. Hi there, Graham. Hi, Graham. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, Tom, first let me talk to you. Can I just ask you, what are the conditions like out uh, there? They were chundrous yesterday and... uh, one perfect day down here today, though. It's dropped off a bit and the wind's gone offshore and it looks really neat. It's not as monstrous as yesterday, but it looks really clean. The conditions are beautiful down here this morning. He was just got this guy's crazy. I think he still thinks I'm crazy, but... That's all right. I probably... I mean, I am, but... <laughs> oh, we're all a bit nutty off. Don't worry about that, mate. But, uh, yeah, can you recall any really memorable heats with, with Curran over the years? I know you had a few. Oh, I, yeah, I had a lot of them. I mean, the ones in Huntington Beach were probably the most memorable, you know, just because, you know, the one time, you know, the riots happened, you know, when they flipped the police cars over and I was out there and there was just bombs going off and there was, this is before... Te- this is before terrorism. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it was just chicks taking their tops off. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that, I've been in that semi-final and, and that happened after that. But then the year before we had the final and um, one time, you know, we used to paddle for priority. And uh, I think one time we were both going around the boy the opposite way. It was a big boy. No, no one saw what happened behind the boy. I clipped him a couple times. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, you know, like, he had the better of me, just kind of, like, far out like Kelly did. Like, the record doesn't feel... Um, he's not good when you look at it. But, uh, you know, Curran used to... Curran used to paddle away from me, you know, where, like, Kelly's there sitting next to you talking to you. Curran, exactly the opposite. He'd, like... He'd paddle so far away from me and somehow wave, the wave of the day would come to him. Just he'd shake your head. And he's surfing, you know. I mean, it's fucking iconic. Um, yeah, talk to us about current surfing. Oh, man, the first time I saw him was in Cronulla and um, <clears throat> he was staying with Jim Banks and, uh, and he was young and he was surfing this ultra-thin board, like a channel bottom, and, um, and, like, I walked over the hill from school and it was, like, six, eight foot. There was no one out and he was the only one out and, uh, and he was just surfing. I couldn't... I, that was the best surfing I've ever seen and... That's what really got me inspired uh, to go on tour was, you know, he, he was incredible. But, 
you're from everywhere. Like, you know, he'd, um, in Hawaii, he was amazing. Like, he was amazing everywhere. I'm just curious to know, mate, like, you know, current style, I mean, in every way, you two were kind of like yin and yang. You fit together perfectly because you represent two completely different approaches. Yeah. And um, did you look at him and sort of, like, ever compare yourself to him or anyone else's surfing? Or did you just... Because, like, yeah, when people talk nah. about your surfing, it's always... Raw is a word that gets thrown around a lot. It's just something you can't teach. It's just completely emotional. Everything he did looked... Looked like it was me, like meant, yeah, to, meant be to be done. meant to be kind of thing. And everything fitted together, did, yeah. yeah did it's different ever, Different. Did you ever me. feel like, you know, you were looking at him for inspiration or did you just know that you were just too different? Yeah, no, totally different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they... My Gordon Merchant, I'll keep on talking about probably through the night, but he moved me away from Cronulla to smooth my surfing out, you know, and go and surf points up on the Gold Coast. But, yeah, nothing like current. I didn't really try and copy anyone, really. It was just, yeah, just reckless abandon at the start and then kind of just smoothed it out. How do you feel like you are surfing right now? Yeah, no, I, I feel good. Yeah, I'm like, um, just, yeah, I feel like I was up... Uh, um, at, the, at my wave pool the other a couple of weeks ago, and you know, still waiting for the invite. Still waiting for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I still feel really good. I'd be good to if another Masters event popped up because the last one that was on the wave pool was opening at exactly the same time, and I couldn't go to Portugal, and um, and then it was weird because the wave pool actually didn't open so I could have gone I tried to get back in it they wouldn't let me in it what's this the Where wave pool no the Masters oh the Masters you're not fuck. even I'm listening I'm not tapped into the Masters scene man sorry <laughs> were you even listening oh my only interest I just want to pick your brain about nine Pass lives all night man it's fucking I watched that thing until it, uh, until it wore out that VHS so yeah I want to know man Dorian Dorian uh, both on Billabong you must have done a lot of trips together uh, you, any memorable trips with Dorian over the years yeah, heaps of them, yep. I've uh, done heaps of travel with Shane. Went up to Nalu last year and uh, done a strike mission there with Shane. And um, oh, How was that trip? Yeah, Jack Robinson, didn't he surf like eight hours with a, on a sip of water or some shit? He did, yeah. What's and, it, what was it like watching uh, Jack Robo just oh, get fucking combed out of his we were just, mind, little We were just man. talking about Jack and watching him in the barrel and stuff is just like... Mesmerising. Mesmerising, yeah. What about his small wave game? Uh, you know, how's he going developing that? Because it's well, not the easiest thing to do when nah, you're from it, where he's from. And no, He's just not. addicted to getting fucking crazy pits. Yeah. So I don't blame him. But. No, I don't blame him. I think it's getting better. You know, I think it definitely needs a lot of improvement. I think if he gets on tour, it'll, it'll happen. He probably might... Could you... Uh, Need maybe better boards in ways like that, but um, and some more power would be good for him to acquire. But it's another big word for me. Um, <laughs> but get him on tour for sure. Yeah, like you know, he, you know, I reckon that part of his surfing would just, you know, when guys go and get on tour, like they somehow they're in that mix and their surfing just goes. Zoop. Mm-hmm. And I how, think that'll happen to Jack. How do you develop? He doesn't need any improvement in his barrels, but nah. But how Obviously. do you develop a good grovel game, you know? What's he got to do? He's, I guess he's got to maybe move to the Gold Coast and surf the points. Yeah, or yeah. Maybe move to Bondi and get in the bugle for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> <laughs> That'll speed him up. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> um, but, yeah, he needs to, like, yeah, surf a lot of ways, like, you know, not snapper behind the rock, but, you know, regular days at snapper when it's three foot. That's when um, he'd probably struggle if he, you know, that first event, if it was like that or if it was, like, T-bar and... You know, I mean, he's got a good air game, but, um, you know, the way freaking Gabrielle and that are surfing, like, yeah, in waves like that, it, you know, definitely 
Just want to get your take quickly, Ock. Just, you know, you're talking about Jack Robinson, you know, qualifying for the tour. The tour is obviously something that you are completely absorbed by. Uh, how do you feel about... Mm. We just saw the, you know, next year's schedule get released. How do you feel about things like the wave pool and G-Land especially? Yeah, oh, uh, mixed opinions. G-Land all time. Um, you know, like, I've, I competed there... Uh, a couple of times, I've only had it a few times, but you know, I think I was there when Luke Egan won, and it was amazing. Speed Reef, like if they get that, it'd be incredible. But the wave pool, I think they've done that enough. Under or over? Give us a big yell. Underrated. <laughs> Overrated, yeah. <laughs> Overrated. Uh, I mean, I love, I love his pool. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think it's, I think it's good. But I think they've done it enough. Yeah. yeah. Hey, mate, um, just, and also, just on G-Land, I mean, how does Speedies compare with the best barrels you've surfed? Because you've, you've yeah. had perfect Mundaka, you've, you've surfed Chopes and won there, you've won uh, Cloud Break and been pitted off your dial at all these perfect waves. Take us through the inside section at Speedies. What does it do? How do yeah, you set it I up? Don't, I don't think um, you can get a better wave. Like, it's definitely top few, like, top in my top three, you know, at high tide when it's eight foot there. I had one of my better barrels there and I was like during, I think, Luke's semi-final and I was catting for him and I couldn't resist. I had to go. <laughs> that's amazing. And I think oh, I got that's what I want to see, your spare board. <laughs> yeah. so I want to see more of that. You watch a lot of CT comps and there's so many mental little nugs going through unridden because, you know, they're playing the chess match out the back. I want to see the caddies just fucking getting coned. <laughs> yeah, I got fined like 200 bucks for it. I didn't care at all. I was like, I'll take that. Luke wasn't happy at all. <laughs> he, he loves his boys too. At me. Yeah, he's like, out. what the fuck did you do that for? You get me interference? You got me interference? Did you get me interference? I'm like, no. He's <laughs> like, if you break that board. And like, yeah, but I had to do it. But, um. <laughs> yeah, talk us. Speed, talk, uh, speed reef at high tide, yeah, it's hard to beat. Talk us through a mental one out there. Take us inside the cone with your arc. What does the vision <laughs> look like, mate, in a sick one? Oh, it's so Best hard one, your best speed tube. I know there's one that you've got that you just replay over and over <laughs> in your head when you're going to sleep on a plane or in some torturous situation. It's, yeah, oh, I don't know. You won't go to sleep thinking about that. Um, <laughs> it's just, you don't have to do much. You just stand in there. I mean, you can, you know, take off. You, you kind of need a big board if you're going to take it from launching pads. Um, I, I went back there recently. I know that recently, but Taylor Steele took me there in in a helicopter. I just went there for the high tide speed reef. And um, there was guys out there. I was only on like six, eight, but there was guys out there on seven, eight, eight O's, and it was hard to get waves. But but launching pads, you can get a perfect big drop, and it's the easiest drop in the world. And then you can, it just doubles up, and you just got to stand there. And just, it's like, yeah, it's a slow motion. And it goes for a long time. What it's do you just th- as perfect as you can sell it. What do you see? <laughs> what do you see when you're in a barrel that's just grinding and deep and thick and you know you don't have to do anything? What do you start thinking about? Oh, about making it. <laughs> you know, like, like G-Land, it's like at Nalu, like you're in the barrel there and it's, you just want to make it because when it's that big, there's a good chance you're going to get slammed on the reef. And at G-Land, like, you're either going to get medivaced out of there by a helicopter or, like... Derek O did in the Connors one year. He had the worst gash to his leg. Um, yeah, so you just, it kind of, everything slows down, but you really, really want to make it. I mean, you'd love to be standing there looking at the 
jungle, you know, like the palm trees and stuff. Like there's some places on the east side of Hawaii where it's perfect and I can remember doing that, but in those remote spots, nah, you want to just really concentrate. Time slows down, but the barrel is good. Imagine getting crazy cones out there on mushies, like all those kind of early G-Land jungle freaks. Fuck, those dudes are on the Sid and just getting psycho vision. Fuck, that would have been mental. Like, especially kind of on a smaller side size, but just a little bit cooked. It'd be epic. Uh, but, yeah, let's go back to Shane Torian. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's had a fucking crazy career, Dorian, and it's still gone, and it's still fucking so psycho. Um, you know, what are some of the things about his career that have just really blown you out? Because there's been a lot of highlights. Yeah, there has. Uh, the one drop that he took that morning at Jaws... It was uh, before the event started. It was incredible. I, I've seen him do stuff live too. That you know, um, even just this last trip last year, he was surfing the the right up at Nalu and just charging and making it all. Like he's really calculated. Mm. He makes most waves he takes. You know, um, you know he charges, but he's not like a Ross Clark Jones or something. You know, he won't. Full cra- crash he, test dummy. Just yeah, so. he's not that. He's very calculated. Yeah, nine coffees before you paddle out in the morning, <laughs> stuff like that. Do you see Ross Clark Jones on Survivor when uh, he hadn't had a coffee for like three weeks and they he won breakfast and he had nine coffees in a row and then vomited in a bush? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> he had to lie down. He was just yeah, like, ah, I'm spinning out. I'm losing <laughs> an anxiety yeah, yeah, attack. Yeah. <laughs> He, oh, he wasn't that strung out that? at YMA or during the Eddie when he won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was classic. Eddie likes to smoke cigarettes, so I wonder if they probably didn't give him one. He's like, I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, you can't. <laughs> Luke Egan, we're seeing so many of this, these power mongers, absolute legends, just still doing some of the best surfing ever. But you and Louis, you've had a long journey together. Uh, I remember sitting with you guys, both of you actually, in a bar in Mandaka once. And uh, it was during the Billabong Pro there. And uh, in the bar, they had footage of the 1988 Billabong Pro at Pipeline. And there's oh. a quarterfinal with you and Louie. And he yeah. actually does the Medina on Kelly on you in that heat. Where he got he, me interference, yeah. He has a, a wide priority and you take this yeah. big bomb from out on the peak and Louie does the old... Wide drop in with priority, which back then was kind me. of a heavy call. Like guys didn't do it as no, much as no. they do now. Yeah, and we were like mates. I mean, we're still <laughs> we're still mates. I mean, we don't hang out much <laughs> anymore. But but um, not because of that. He moved away. He moved. He moved away. <laughs> like yeah. He moved. But to, you said to him even then. I remember we were sitting there and you watched the you watched that heat. Yeah. And you were like, oh yeah, that's right. I got to get you back for that one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it was great travelling with Louis back. You know, we were, we were travelling partners for a long time and he, he helped me a lot to get to my world title. You know, we caddied for each other and he's a very smart um, competitor. But, yeah, he did get me interference. I f- forgot about that. You know, um, like I say, I don't hang out with Louis much anymore. He moved to Cronulla where I grew up and I'm on the coast, so hardly ever see him. But, um, but you know, he's a good surfer. He was so powerful too and... Um, you know, we surfed a lot together and pushed each other and um, like, it, like that. And uh, oh, you've got to attribute, attribute um, I can't say these big words, can I? So I'll have to stop trying. Um, yeah, I attribute a lot of, you know, my success to him for sure. Yeah, yeah, the good old days. 
And uh, Sonny Garcia was on that trip as well, obviously doing it pretty tough at the moment. But, yeah, yeah what are your fondest, fondest memories of, um, of Sonny? Sonny was just all-time. I mean, he was... Apart like from uh, fucking destroying hire, hire cars. Hire cars. <laughs> he was just a classic, you know. He, I mean, he, he still is. I mean, you know, God bless him. I hope he's coming back. And I believe he is, yeah. Uh, um, we don't hear much, enough of, of how he's doing, but, uh, you know, he was such a competitor. You know, I remember the first time I ever competed against him and it was at Burley Heads and must have been his first time with Australia and I was, like, trying to like psych him out kind of thing I think I was sitting next to him and like paddling really hard and sat up on the board really abruptly and and he just laughed at me and he smoked me and um and then you know in Hawaii you know I had that heat with him for his world title and I had to compete in that heat which was really hard and um and uh you know and then we we traveled together because with Billabong for all those years and he was you know just such a competitor and you know, um, really, really intimidating, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, he's from the west side of Wahoo, is yeah, he? Yeah. Yeah, him and Johnny Boy, obviously, from over yeah, that side. Yeah, and, I know, mean, Johnny Boy and him, like, have got the same kind of, you know, character. You well, know. yeah, it's a far... Oh, I mean, have you spent much time there? As far as I know, it's a pretty, you know, one of them pretty deprived kind of impoverished communities. The, like, in a, you know, those kinds <laughs> of places. Side. Yeah, I've not spent a lot of time in the west side. I've got a few good friends there and... Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the North Shore. It's a like full local community, you know. Like the North Shore has a lot of tourists coming in and out. It's not the case on the West Side. <laughs> um, well, they go you know, in, but they just don't. Yeah, come they out. don't come out. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to get lost in a dark night on the West Side. Um, but you know, like they're just pure. Like a lot, there's a lot of pure Hawaiians there, and you know, they've got so much love, and you know, you can go there and have a beer with them at Makaha and they'll, you know, anyone could and, you know, and they'd love to meet you and, and um, you know, you just, you just got to respect the locals like anywhere, but, you know, especially there. Uh, really, really good people. Um, I think, remember the old uh, Judge Perry Hatchett, his wife Rochelle was growing up on, on the west side and she's a lovely, lovely girl and got a few other good friends there, but, um, you know, the west side is the real... Pretty much, you know, the real Hawaii. There's a lot of other places, you know, the North Shore is, you know, the real Hawaii, but over there it's, um, yeah. Uh, Pretty skits. Yeah. Does the idea of conquering waves of mortal coniquence twist your corn into a tight red balloon knot? Does the thought of no Wuzzle World Tour for the rest of the year make you want to take up subfoiling in arseless chaps? Does the absence of a weekly episode drop of Ain't That Swell drive you stark raving? (laughs) (laughs) Then you, my Swellian friend, are a prime candidate to support the Ain't That Swell podcast. Simply by making a small donation of the amount of your choosing, you can help Smivy and Deadly commit to heaps more episodes, heaps more often. In thanks to everyone who has already donated so far, we are aiming to drop an episode every Wednesday. That's more corn dragging, finger bun scoffing, under and over, the madness for Swellians every single week. Simply click on the link on the Swellian Instagram or visit our website, theswellians.com, to donate. Why don't we uh, get our next guest up here? 
next guests are absolute madmen of the highest order. A father and son duo, they are so full of what Tom Wolfe coined as the right stuff. They have to walk into a room sideways just so they can squeeze their ginormous figs through the front door. Combined, they have made towering outer reefs, detonating deep sea bombies and filthy, frightening, fucked up, life-threatening slabs. Their personal playthings. Best of all, they ride these gargantuan swells on boards crafted by the old man, a master shaper of over 40 years. Meanwhile, the young'un, earmarked as a wild unit from the moment he paddled out, is now regarded as one of the world's most accomplished core lords. So much so, that he was invited to compete on the Wuzzle's short-lived Big Wave World Tour. Swillians and Swilliettes, please put your hands together for Kirk and Russell Berserke! Welcome to the show, boys. Thank Thanks you. For having us. How you going? Good. So good to have Russ here. I, I can remember coming down here to surf one of these slabs. You know, I was at the peak of my powers, about 23, 24. I'd just spent a few years living in Indo. and It's been all downhill since then, Smithy. Well, I think this was the beginning of the decline, actually, Vaughn. Uh, I remember there was this, you know, white-haired kid. He was about 10 or 11 years old and... Um, you know, he was just, it was probably about six foot, maybe a couple of bigger ones, and he was just fucking packing cone after cone with a GoPro in his mouth. And uh, every time he'd just get spat out of one and paddle back out, and he'd look at me with this look, you know, kind of like a dog that wants to uh, chase a tennis ball, you know, just salivating, going, and a set had come, and he'd be just, he'd look at me and he'd be like, can I go? Can I go? And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, fucking go, man, like, whatever. And I was heckling. You know, pretty hard to put into words how demoralising that was. <laughs> Sorry, to have an eleven-year-old kid just surfing laps around you. Do you Tell remember me about this? It. Yeah, I believe it may have been the same right that you didn't go out into nine lives. Warning! Warning! Severe Oki burn alert! Severe Oki burn alert! Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's okay. Oh. That's alright. <laughs> That's okay. Didn't touch it. It was a bit bigger that day, nine lives, but I think it was a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I can handle that because it happens. It's happened for a long time around the world. But, uh, yeah, what can I say? You don't have to make excuses, mate. You want chopes. You got the pipe masters. I don't know what else you need to do. But uh, you're actually born in Hawaii, right? Russ, is that correct? Yeah, I lived there till I was five. Yeah. Wow, that's that's yeah, wild. And, you, and your dad, obviously, you, you you did a big stint over there, Kirk yep. shaping boards. Yeah, I did a few years there. And is that like a home away from home for you, Russ, Hawaii? Oh uh, yeah, it's always cool to come back and got a. I know a lot of kids I grew up with over there, went to preschool with, and yeah, now Sam surfing pipe, and it is a pretty cool place to go hang and see the crew there again. And uh, who are some of the crew that, you know, when you go back to Hawaii, who's some of the crew you kind of lock in with over there and uh, show you the ropes? Oh, I guess there's so many. And, like, a bunch of these old dudes just will come up to me at Foodland and be like, oh, you're Kirk's son, aren't you? And he's a legend. <laughs> I haven't seen him in years. Where is he? Just always, yeah, run into people who are dad's mates. And, yeah, I know, like, the Pizel family we were pretty tight with and always catch up with them. And, yeah, I know so many Wyatt McHale's family. Yeah, the McHale's yeah. as well. Yeah. When, when Russ was a grom, was, was he the kind of kid who would, like, climb up on the edge of the cot 
and just dive off onto the floor. <laughs> like, was he? No. He wasn't really. He's always been very calculated with things yeah, like right. that. So he wasn't like, you know... <laughs> he did it with a running, gaff helmet on. Running across a busy highway just to see what would happen. No. Stuff no, like that? No. no. He was just trying to catch any insect that crawled anywhere. And... Um, Funnel web spiders and redbacks and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, he, he, he picked a sea urchin up off the reef one time and stung the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Slowed him down a little bit. Um, well, my first memory of Russ is actually uh, when I was editing Surfing World and uh, Beale's Blast Off was on. And there I was, uh, there was yep. a, a huge swell that year. And I think, uh, yep. the, uh, the, I'm not sure if it was Palmy or North Ave, but, the, you know, the, no kids were going out the back. Everyone was sort of surfing these reforms on the shorey. Yep. And I'm going through all the photos on the screen and all of a sudden, you know, I'm just like looking at, at kids having a great time, you know, surfing those little shoreys. And then there's just this tiny little red speck on this, like, bomb out the back with just, you know, platinum blonde hair. And I was like, who is this kid? And he was, like, 11 years old. Do you remember that day, mate? Yeah, it was just like a big day at Golfie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the so, North Ave crew will be loving that. <laughs> they all call uh, it the heaviest wave on the beaches. <laughs> uh, it was... I know, it was definitely solid. And when the sets were coming through then, I was shitting myself for sure and... But was kind of stoked every time I'd go to a grom comp on the east coast. It'd be like half a foot dribble, and I'd come from Aladdin, used to a bit of power, and was yeah, just stoked to see some size that year. And Russ, can you take us back, man, to where it all started? Like, uh, can you talk to us about some of your your early introductions to big wave surfing? Your most memorable kind of early trips? Uh, yeah, I guess I, from pretty much since I can remember, I had. Dad running out the door whenever the surf was big, frothing, and the first real trip we did was down to Bells, I think I was 12 or so, and yeah, it was like Mac and Bells, and Dad paddled out, pretty much nearly got washed onto the button, had to do a run around, and he... he that was, was like, after driving for 13 hours, yeah. by the way, without <laughs> oh. much sleep. How stiff was the back? Uh, the back yeah. must have been rooted. Did you do and the, the Italo after you got washed over the button, like run up into the public toilets and start crying? <laughs> it was that, almost, uh, yes. Wow, wow, that's what happened. Uh, that's what so, Kirk, he, he's like, oh, I'm going to paddle around from the, from the beach behind. I, I forget what the beach is called, but there's kind of a bomber you can get out and like just paddle around the whole Bell's headland and for some reason I decided to try and join him uh, so yeah we're both paddling around it's like twice as big as anything I'd ever been out in and it was like kind of sitting out there going what am I doing out here and uh, next thing you know there's just a mega wash through that just I don't know just broke in the middle of the ocean and mowed us and after that I was kind of like oh that wasn't that bad like handle this and then ended up I don't know, psyching myself up, took off on one that ran off of me, just got mowed by the whitewash and washed up the beach, but was kind of, I don't know, surviving that, I was just kind of hooked on it, I think. How old were you then? Twelve, I think. <laughs> it was... <laughs> it was a lot bigger than Palmy. Oh, yeah. oh, and I want to I know, sorry, to drop just a little bit more history. Dad, when did you move to Ulladulla? What um, year? We, we came here in 2005. 2005? Yeah. Before that, you lived in Hawaii for we're, how long? Well, we were in Cabarita for a little bit. Cabarita? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Hawaii, you were there for how many years? Where did you come from before then? I was in um, California for California, many years before that. 
Is that where you were, like, born in California? Um, no. Wisconsin originally. Oh, no way. Wow. <laughs> the big white capital of America. Exactly. Lake Michigan. You see yeah, the surfer there? <laughs> wow. Boy. Wisconsin all the way now in Ulladulla. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It is. Well, I just wanted to ask you, like, hearing that story of being 12, but what was your first experience of getting washed in and being scared out in the water? Yeah, at Voodoo, probably. Like, it's a similar, you know, set that... Never breaks where it broke at Voodoo that day. It was huge. 12? Um, 12 feet high old. or old? Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought you were talking about the wave. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. I was older than that. I was like 16. Yeah, and I got held down for two waves and then I went home. I was still, I've always been younger than I am in the mine. And I went home and cri- I think I cried to mum that night, said I didn't want to surf big waves, and she said, You don't have to. Um, but, yeah, that was my only two-wave hold down. Hopefully it will be, but uh, the only one. But, um, yeah, oh, and when he said that at Bells, I was at Bells just this year and I went out in the morning after that big day. In the morning it was still pretty big, believe me, and there was a freak set came through and washed me in and I was scared and it was Bells <laughs> and I'm 50. <laughs> but how old in the mind, Doc? 16, mate. Yeah, probably. Oh, I'm interested to know too, Russ, like you're, you're a connoisseur of fucking skitsy slabs, man. I mean, you've, you've surfed pipe a lot. I'm interest, interested to know too, like how does a wave like pipe compared to, say, you know, like some of the bombies and slabs around here, uh, particularly one that we're not going to name, but it's pretty close to here that, uh, you know, you, you performed incredibly out in your latest film? Yeah, it's actually, it's really similar, like, that wave, the closest thing I could p- compare it to is pipe. But it is, I know, a bit more concentrated and slabby and kind of comes at you more like Chopes does. But, yeah, I know, yeah, pipe's, like, still one of the gnarliest waves you can surf. Just the amount of injuries there speak for themselves. And it's, like, it might not feel as bad or look as thick and heavy as Chopes or something, but it's kind of... Maybe more dangerous, even. Mm, cause you... I just want to say, I've got to interrupt. That drop that you put out, that was the best drop I think I've ever seen. Mm. That was yeah. sick. That was sick. So wild. Uh, <laughs> seriously, like, that was unbelievable. I, I showed my son Jay and um, I told him, I think that's the best drop I've ever seen. I mean, he's young. He hasn't seen that much many drops, <laughs> but uh, I've well, seen a lot, and I reckon that's you're one not of the wrong. best I've ever seen. That was <laughs> fucking you. unbelievable. Mantle, huge props, and fuck, you're getting kudos from everyone, man. Slater, Dorian, uh, you know, the top of the pops. How did that feel yeah. to get credit yeah. from you know just the biggest names in the game? Yeah, so surreal to have those guys saying how much they like the clip and everything, and. I guess it was probably the worst week to put out a clip of the year. Like Creed and Noah and Ian Crane and Birch is ingrained. Everything just dropped that week. It was it was pretty gnarly, but to yeah, see so it get some recognition, I was stoked. Tell us about that drop. Like I mean, for a while there <laughs> for a while there, like you had like maybe a millimetre of rail in that wave, but it still looked like you like you were in the wave, like it just didn't look real. Like, I mean, how did you... Do you just don't think of what's going on? Because when you reconnected, you were just in the perfect spot. How do you do it? Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of just trying to trust myself. And, yeah, I don't know. In that moment, it can either... 
yeah, like you'd land it and you make it or it all just goes wrong. But it was just kind of, yeah, hoping I could kind of, yeah, try and land on my rail and set the line and go. But, yeah, it all worked out that time, which I was pretty stoked on. You're supposed to say the right equipment helps. Yeah, and yeah. the equipment. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. That was my next question. Tell us about the board that you're riding, because, man, you, you, you're moving around like big lumps of fiberglass out there. Yeah, that left is 7.2. I'll let you explain a bit more. 7.2, it's just, it's basically a pipe gun, but bigger. You know, the... You okay, 7.2, yeah, right, because I feel like um, you guys were used to ride a lot bit longer boards out there, right? Yeah, it kind of varies. Some big days I'll ride a bit bigger, but I think it is kind of like pipe as well where you pull into a 10-footer and you come out of a 4-footer. It's like, yeah. even though it makes it easier to catch the wave, you're kind of like struggling the rest of the wave to ride it. So if you can put yourself in that spot, the shortest board possible is probably the best. Now, we've been working on making them smaller, catching waves and being able to negotiate what's going on out there a little better. Yeah. I feel like, and I mean this with utmost respect that you're kind of like this Frankenstein child of a lot of really great influences from this area because like the crew who you've grown up surfing with and obviously having your dad being a big wave charger I mean what role did they play in sort of helping you understand these slabs these big waves like you know going to a place because you think of whip you think of Birch, you think of like all the crew that you've grown up with since you were a kid, they're fucking maniacs, mate. They're not even real. <laughs> and then you come along and, and you're sort of like taking everything they taught you to another level. What role did they play in sort of forming who you are? Yeah, I guess they, they played every role really. Like, I oh, know you pull back on a wave down here and you'll never hear the end of it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Public shaming always goes a long way. <laughs> Yeah, I know, growing up, like, watching Morgo and Birch and Whip and all the other crew down here, yeah, just going nuts at these slabs, it was kind of like, I was just, yeah, I was just so young watching them do it and that was all I wanted to do, really, so kind of just soaked it all up. You got a crazy boost in your career, I remember, around about 15 or 16, I think uh, Tim Benithan took you down to um, the desert there and you surfed a psycho slab with Slater. Can you tell us everything you remember about that session and that trip? Yeah, that was crazy. You just got was... the call up from Benithan. But, yeah, somehow I ended up on a trip with Slater. Just 16 from Aladala. And... How did that happen? Like, you, and do you remember the phone call and how you felt at the time getting a call like that? Yeah, well, Timmy rang me up and was like, oh, I come down to South Oz. Like, I think Kelly's coming. I was like, oh, yeah, right, oh, like... Everyone says Kelly's going to be everywhere and he's not. And then rolled down there and there he is. And Mr. Lamore we, himself, yeah. the goat. The goat. And <laughs> we, the funny thing is we roll over the sand dune from like to this crazy top secret right slab that we've just heard whispers about and there's Birch and Whip on the beach. Already <laughs> <watching their skis>. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Lowey's. <laughs> Uh, Did you yeah. slash their fucking tyres or what? <laughs> they probably should have slashed ours, but... Yeah, that day was just crazy. It was like... Yeah, it was just like a bigger version of the box, really. And to yeah, watch, especially Slater out there, it was just... Crazy. Like, because no one had really surfed the wave before. How was before. he going? What was that, was he, How was he going? Yeah, he was going all right. <laughs> all right, up. He was going all right. Yeah. And what, what was he... No, you forced him to give up the tow rope. 
He was telling. Tell that story. He got. He was last in line, and he got tired of waiting, so he just started paddling him. And Slater went, "Uh oh." A 15-year-old kid stitching me up. <laughs> so he started like paddling him, too. And that's real. Mm, that's the scoop. That's huge. Wow. Wow. So it's great. It's good to know I'm not the only one who's been demoralized by Ross. That's the real story. That's massive. There's going to be like a, uh, like, you know, a, a, a help group where you and Kelly and a bunch of people are talking around and go, yeah, Russ, he got me this day. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm still struggling. And Russ, so I, I believe you've been invited to the Big Wave Tour. Yeah, it was last year was my first year on it. Oh, last year was, yeah. And, yeah, this year they've just... <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Maybe I'll go. You got a cone piece, battle. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you donate it. <laughs> Forgive me, sorry. That's Such cool. a bummer, really. Uh, well, yeah, and, and this year, now it's only the Jaws event, but still super excited for that, and luckily enough to have the invite still for that. So, yeah, psyched on that. Not the Nazare tow-in. You don't do tow-ins that much. Uh, no, not too into towing, really. I don't know, like, I've like got that. myself into like some that. bad situations with it because it's all just, like, kind of too easy. You're on the wave. And then also, yeah, just not the same rush, really. Like, I don't know, had a pretty good beating around this time last year at Nazare. And I feel like if I made the wave towing it, I'd, I'd, like, don't think the rush was really worth what I experienced falling on the waves. Yeah, talk to us about that, Russ. <laughs> what happened? Paint the scene, mate. Yeah, it was, it was pretty horrific. I think it was about a year to this day. But, yeah, kind of got my first wave. It was just one of those Nazareth ones that don't even break, just like a big steep wall. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like kind of like snowboarding. It's fun. And then the next wave went to take the same line. It looked exactly the same. And then it just turned into this giant thing behind me. Just saw this shadow just come like way into the flats in front of me and the lip landed pretty much on my tail and just blasted me. Fuck off. That is so wild. (laughs) (laughs) Talk us through a beating at Nazareth. Exactly, man. That place boggles my mind. It doesn't even make sense. I feel like, you know, when Blackfellas saw the ships coming towards them uh, on the horizon, it's that kind of setup. Is that the one? That's the one. There's a, there's a frame of you upside down with about 90,000 metres of whitewash. I've got to see this. Yeah, have a look. I'll... But, yeah, talk to us about the whole setup there. I mean, what, what, what kind of a wave is it? I mean, what's, a, what's it like waking up there and looking out to sea and seeing 100 feet of... I don't even know what you call that. Just imagine, That's like, so your you average kidding? summer beachy so with wrong. just random peaks breaking everywhere, but it's about 100 foot. There's no channel, nothing. It's just, like, yeah, you're just kind of out there chasing down these peaks, and then when you end up, you can kick out of a perfect wave there and just cop a massive peak on the head. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I, I want to know the actual physical sensation of what happens once that photo turns into you going underneath that wave. <laughs> you know, like, what's... What is it? Is it, like... Do, is your body getting ripped in eight different directions? Like, what's going on under there? Yeah, it was kind of the same as, like... <laughs> it's kind of the same as just, like, a normal 
big wipeout, like just getting tossed everywhere, but maybe not as violent as a slab, but it just went forever. Like it just didn't really stop. And then you had a vest on. Yeah, I had you got like to a, pull it. A padded flotation one on, and then I pulled my vest pretty much as soon as I went under, and it felt like I did nothing. I was just still under there forever, and just. I think I got, like, popped up, got one breath, and then the next one just as big hit me in the face and just, like, yeah, just smoked oh. me. Mate, um, Oki and I were at uh, the Cape Fear house. We, we were there when you won that event. Do you guys remember that? It was probably, like, one of the best wow, moments ever. Wow. But to this day, I can't think of a heavier surf comp. Like, uh, like, on the first day of that comp, not one wave was made. Not one. And on the second day... <laughs> It was just as fucked. It was so heavy. Um, it was so wrong. Man, like, I mean, we were sitting there. Oh, you grew up there. Have you ever seen anything like that oh, as well? No, I hadn't. I, I'd, and I'd watched it a lot. Never surfed it. <laughs> fair, <laughs> enough. Bit, yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Smart man. <laughs> um, you know, because we've got the, there's a little wave around from there, Colonel Point, that's awesome. But, <laughs> but it's only like, you know, it's only four foot. Should have seen it that day. Yeah, did I did. Did you see it? I did. Yeah, yeah. It was, was it puppet? Off. Yeah, oh. it was, yeah. Man, like, I mean, that, that was, explain what that did for you. Like, I mean, you, you turned up there, you were kind of, you were probably the youngest guy in the field by a mile. Uh, you were up against ours, basically guys who have like crafted careers surfing that wave. But it was just a whole different ball game that day. Yeah, I think yeah, it was me and Riley Lang. We're about the same age. We were both in it and just in the same heat, shitting ourselves. And the first thing we saw coming around the corner was Jughead in a neck brace on the med boat. And yeah, that wasn't a <laughs> wasn't a very good sign. And yeah, it was a pretty pretty scary sight. And then I don't know, I wasn't really thinking about it as a contest, more just trying to make the wave and survive and. I guess, yeah, normally ours is, like, kind of that boil and everyone comes behind it and backdoors the wave. And I think everyone who'd surfed that a lot knows that boil and they'll kind of hook and behind it. But there was, like, a whole other section on the wave that day that isn't normally there. And kind of coming into it fresh, I was just trying to shoulder hop and ended up making a few. <laughs> yeah, did it change your life winning that comp? Like, did it... Did it like, because you already were... On the way to being an established slab pig, but that that win sort of puts you into a global spotlight in a way that you know, just charging at home kind of doesn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, that I think it helped my career so much. Like it was already what I wanted to do, but it was just yeah, it kind of got me there. I think. Yeah, because I remember doing a story on you years ago for the journal, coming down here, the Surface Journal, and you know you were right at that kind of intersection of your career trying to figure out which, which path to take you know you yeah. had these kind of your body's going through some changes that's right correct mundo a few little yeah. sprouters under the arms yeah. and whatnot but uh you know you, you were trying to figure out what to do with your career you were kind of thinking oh yeah maybe i'll go on the big wave world tour and i remember kirk at the time you were going look mate the reality is you're probably gonna have to move to sydney and you know the northern beaches, be around the industry, there almost wasn't really that path uh, to making a career. And yet, you know, yeah, here we anyway. are today and, and you've fucking done it, man. You've cracked it. It's incredible. Yeah. Like you've, you've basically just got fucking... You've got coned and now you've got a career out of getting coned. Yeah, it's it's a, kind of crazy. 
<laughs> it's so, you're so young and, and uh, you, there's been so many highlights, man, already. It's mind-blowing. You know, Jaws as well, man. Talk to us about that day, the, uh, the most recent instalment. I mean, I, you were out there for the heat that Twiggy fucking paddled into that thing. You were pretty much on the shoulder watching him. Yeah, I don't know whether I was more scared that day at Jaws or in the Cape Fear event. It was Really? It was pretty even, nearly. Like, at least Cape Fear had an easy in with the jet ski. At Jaws, it was like three to four foot chops coming back up the face at you. and like Wow. It was like, I don't know, it felt like ten wave sets, nearly. Like, you just scratch over one, there'd be another one and another one, and you just oh. like... Yeah, it was what does it terrifying. what does it look like? Like how what is it and what's the feeling when you see it just stacked at that size? I mean, how do you keep your composure in that scenario? Yeah, it's at that size it's almost surreal. It's like you don't even know what you're looking at. It's like just this giant wall and you just gotta decide whether to turn and burn and go on it or just scratch over the top and yeah, it's pretty nuts. I think Jaws, like getting my head around Jaws is like being the hardest thing in surfing I've done, for sure. So I'll start again. You've been invited, you've been invited back to that event. That's shit that there's only one event for the Big Wave Tour. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> I think if Don't you reckon? were pretty bummed about it, for sure. There's yeah, got to be more than it's one wrong. contest. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's just the Jaws championships now, but... yeah. It w- would definitely be nice to have a few, a few more, more events, events yeah? on there for sure. Do you think, far out. But just just throwing it out there while we're on the big wave tour. Do you think slabs should be part of the uh, under or over? Should slabs be part of the big world wave tour? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. Oh, 100 percent. Just none of the slabs around here. As long as they're big, <laughs> as long as they're big slabs. Yeah, no, big, big slabs for sure. Like, but yeah, then there's another yeah. question: Would you like to have a, a one of those events here in Oladala? <laughs> No, everyone says no. <laughs> I thought that much. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You, well, could, you could have an event down here, couldn't you? Yeah, it, it's just the East Coast. It's hard to predict swells and it's everything. It's so fickle. How would yeah, you do you it? You think you got the swell of the year and then the wind comes up at 9am and you're done. But and those slabs, like, I don't know, like shippies and chopes. And the right. If you can make a tour of, like, like Jaws, shippies, chopes, Mullamore... Maybe paddle. Oh, yeah. Fucking oath. Now you're talking. That would be the dream tour. That would be mental. The the real dream tour. tour. That's the Russ dream tour. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Far out to be a dream to watch it. I want that to happen. Yeah. (laughs) That would be amazing. I'll tune into that. Why why hasn't surfing, you know, world tour surfing or competitive surfing ever gone there? Slabs are just, they're incredible. They're like fucking aquatic sculptures, Trying to dip in their toe in at the box a bit. That's the first. That's the kind of the first foray into it. Yeah, I think a slab surfing and chose. That's not a slab slab. I mean, that wave handles like six, eight foot. I mean, these guys are yeah. surfing different ways. I to think that. the slabs are pretty specific to like Australia and Europe as well. Like you see, like the US and Hawaii just don't really, for some reason, just don't have those types of waves, which I think has held it back a bit. Yeah, good point. There are some, but the WSL will never get anywhere near them <laughs> in California, anyway. There's definitely is that a threat? There. There's definitely slabs. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. Talk to us about the time you nearly died, man. You're surfing uh, a big wave spot on the southern coastline and uh, copped a board to the chops. And uh, as far as I can remember, you, you kind of woke up and who was staring back at you? But the goat himself. Oh, the, my uh, God. Yeah, talk, us, <laughs> talk to us about that. Yeah, that was just, I don't know, it was just such like, 
it was really a fun day. It was, I guess you'd say big waves. It's like 12, 15 foot, but just clean. Yeah, and you nice. could say they're big waves. Like, <laughs> but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't anything extreme. It was like really approachable, fun waves. Like, was out there, yeah, the goat was out there, Tommy Carroll, Ross Clark Jones were all like, and a few mates from home were all just, yeah, like surfing it, doing turns, everything. And I think, yeah, I said, Oh, we'll get one more meet in the channel and end up pulling into a little high tight barrel at the end, got clipped and next thing you know, I'm on the beach. And yeah, I guess Oh you didn't remember. Knocked out. Yeah, I can barely remember it. My my board just hit me under the chin and was um yeah, kinda out in a bit of a daze and yeah, kinda came to on the beach, but but it was it was pretty extreme too. Like you filled up with a lot of water, right? And you were from the reports at the time, you were the colour of a Smurf or something. <laughs> were, I remember yeah, reading in the paper. Rounds, so. Like you were as close to dying as you can kind of get, right? Yeah, I guess my board hit me, and I don't know if I was completely knocked out or just kind of took a breath underwater and must have just filled the lungs with water. And yeah, that that was yeah the real. What, what I'm there. interested in, Jed, is like. When you come out of a, a coma situation and you open your eyes and the first head you see is Kelly Slater, did you feel like you might have arrived at, like, Valhalla? Did you, were you going, oh, here I am. I've, this I've isn't made so it. bad. I've made it. It's 12 the, foot the and offshore and it's just me and Kelly. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it's like a really bad dream. So, Russ, like, do you ever feel like, um, I mean, especially after that, do you feel ever feel like having a break, like, from big waves, like... Maybe like the day after that, or let's start with that. You did it ever? Yeah, it's. I know. I guess I kind of looked at that as just a freak accident. Real. It wasn't like I was pushing my limits or anything. It was kind of just a fun surf, and everything went wrong. Which I know. I've had a mate do a floater in a shore on a two-foot wave, and his board hit him in the jaw, broke it, and it had to get it wired again. So I think, yeah, if you're surfing in the ocean, stuff can go wrong and just to minimise that risk really with a safety yeah. plan. But I mean like, but what maybe like a day after the, when you run the Red Bull event or, or maybe a better example is like back in the olden days, I remember what they, they said like Waimea broke for like 20 days straight. Like if, if you had like five or ten days straight at Waimea at 30 feet, would you... Want to have a break, you know, or not? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I reckon, yeah, like, you do get burnt out for sure. You, I oh know, you spend so much time waiting and hoping for a swell and it all seems to come at once. Like, you're going here, you're going there, you're going to, like, all these big wave spots and it's just, like, adrenaline overload and by the end of it you're just, like, going, all right, I'm, I'm done for a bit. Mm. Like, let's go surf a fun two-footer. <laughs> uh, I just want to pick your brain too about flow state, man. Like, you know, tell us about making that film and uh, just some of the, the more memorable trips you did, uh, memorable waves even. Yeah, well, I know I got, yeah, one left from around here and then kind of only included three trips in it. We had a bit more from Europe and everything, but it, it kind of just spread out, so we figured we'd just kind of try and condense it as much as we could and yeah had that that left and then did a really fun trip to the desert with one of my good mates and yeah didn't score anything big and crazy but just super fun like six foot barrels and camping in the swags out in the middle of nowhere it was that was probably the funnest trip I did so classy and then yeah the final section was shippies from last year went down there with Birch and it ended up yeah, being 
one of the better days of surfing I've had for sure. Fuck, man. Talk to us about that day because it was immaculate shippies. Big, mega, stepping, psycho fucking cones. <laughs> and you are, I mean, you sent it on one that, yeah, I mean, it's one of the kind of, I don't know, it's one of the heavier beatings I can remember seeing. Uh, but you reckon it wasn't too bad in the, in the scheme of floggings that you've copped? Yeah, somehow. I thought, I don't know, I was... I was pretty worried when I realised I was falling on that wave. I, a bodyboarder had just come in back on the boat, like pretty concussed, hit his head on the bottom. It was like a pretty low tide out there. And then next wave I paddle out and decide to do that. And was, all I could think about was that, just end up on the bottom. And somehow it kind of just like washed me around a bit and kind of blew me out the back as it all blew out. And it wasn't even my worst beating of the day. I got off pretty lucky, I think. Oh, talk to us about the mental space to to, to kind of you know I guess you got to put yourself a bit further in than the park and and yeah like talk to us about committing to a wave like that just how you fucking get yourself psyched up for it man <laughs> it blows my mind yeah I guess it was just kind of the whole day like it was pretty massive and just getting cleaner and it was I know like a really nice sunny day and offshore and you kind of on those days you kind of forget about how heavy it is a little bit like. It doesn't feel as bad as if it's howling wind and rainy or something. But, yeah, I guess just in that moment, I th- thought I was on and in the spot and ended up being a bit too far out and the wave just doubled up so hard. But once you kind of pass the point of pulling off, you kind of just got to, I guess, try as hard as you can to make it. <laughs> oh, my far God. Out. That sounds horrific. And, um, and I, I want to know about the wipeout because those like Nazare and that, I've never had a wipeout like that, but it's all like the golden rule is relax, right? But do you ever like after that moment of relaxing in the wipeout, do you ever get to that end point where you panic and or you just learn not to do that anymore? Yeah, it's, I guess it's inevitable to have that like sense of panic at, at some point, but just to try and, yeah, suppress it and really. Try and stay calm and no, there's nothing you can do. You just got to kind of wait for it to wait for it to stop and then you can come up. But you kind of, yeah, at the mercy of the wave, really. Speaking of skitty drops, Kirk, uh, take us back, mate. You're 51 years old, you're riding a self made 9 1 and you're paddling into a 15 footer at a local bommie around here. Do you remember this day? Um, not exactly. Where, where is this? I think uh, <laughs> we must the have had a couple. I, I think you got an Oakley Big Wave. Oh, that wasn't award around here. Nomination. Actually. Oh, it wasn't. No, nah, that was the day they went chasing that slab in South Australia. Oh, yeah, right, right. I, I stayed right where I was and got what I was hoping for. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talk yeah. to us about that session. Fifty-one years old and a self-made nine-foot gun. Well, that's fucking wild. Fifty years old, dude. It was. I actually kind of really wished I had brought a bigger board that day. Um, I, I know a guy down there who said, oh, you don't need bigger than a 9.1. That'll be all right. I really wanted a 9.8 or a, or a 10-foot board. That, was a, that day was pumping. <laughs> and talk to us about the thrill, man, of, of you know, making your own boards and, and having them go like they do in waves like that. That must be incredible. So few people on the planet... <clears throat> get the chance to experience that well in the 70s everybody did that and that's where i when i grew up so i've been doing it since i was 14 so a self-made board is kind of it's like what i've just 
That's what I've done. Yeah, but they, you know? they weren't riding fucking 20-foot bombies, dude. Well... And they weren't in their 50s when they were doing it. Actually, some of them were. Yeah, right. The guys in Fair Hawaii enough. back in the 60s were radical. Mm, true. You know, no leg ropes. They'd paddle out to the outer <laughs> no reefs. Leggies. And just with, with the old D-fins and those big tankers they had, and, and they just knew they were going to swim in pick their board up and paddle back out. Who was the wildest? Who was the wildest <laughs> bloke you saw when you were, you know, growing up and starting to get into big waves? Who was the, the madman? Um, I guess Eddie Aikau, but Jose Angel was the guy who, mm. who really set the bar in Hawaii, I think. When he was going to, like, he'd take off backside of Waimea, and when he got to the bottom, he'd look at it and go, oh, what the heck, and just do a backside, he'd just do a somersault's spring off it and dive in, <laughs> see if he could do a swan dive off a somersault at the bottom of Waimea. What? Just for the heck of it. What? <laughs> it wasn't scary enough. Not scary enough. I've got to do a flip into the ocean. That, guy was, that. that guy was heavy. Eric Haas. In yeah, my yeah, era, man. Eric Haas yeah. was the man. He He's lost, a switch, yeah? Well, he, could, he lost his license for numerous reasons, but... Um, when, when, when Waimea was breaking, he'd be at sunset, and he'd stick a swim fin in his back, at the back of his board shorts, paddle out in the rip at sunset around all the reefs, all the way down, and go surf Waimea, and then get a ride back. He'd just come paddling in from around the blue, and it'd be like 20, 25 feet. I've, I've heard that said, and, like the whole North Shore turns into this a, guy. A basically one big right point once it gets big enough. And he does these spinners at the top. He did, hey, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he, could surf, sw- he could surf switch foot as good as he could surf his normal direction. Yeah. And talk to us about uh, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Eichau, man. You know, what, what kind of a bloke was he and, and, well, and a surfer? Look, I never met him, but he was growing up he was such an influence, of course, because he was the man from back in that time and I guess being a lifeguard on the North Shore in those days was it was um, you know it was it was everything you know they'd sit at Waimea and just pull the military guys out of the shore break and well they'd drag them through the shore break so they realized what they were really dealing with instead of paddling him in the safe way they'd drag him through the impact zone <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a strategic plan actually. <laughs> Get him ready for war. Far out. Wow, that's epic. Yeah. You won't do that again. No, that well they get all hammered. They'd get start drinking and get hammered and go for a swim at Waimea when it was twenty foot. You know, it's like what? <laughs> oh man, and so many highlights from your shaping career too. I mean, run us through some of them. I know that you you were there working the the factory when uh, Merrick and Curran were kind of uh, yeah at their peak, and yep. you also had your hands on some of the very first thrusters coming through that that factory there. I did actually, but the um. The first thruster I saw was actually in the Monavale, or Brookvale, in 1981. Um, Simon Anderson. Yep. <laughs> At the Energy Surfboards. I couldn't figure out how you're going to sand the thing. I was a <laughs> sander. <laughs> what did you think of it? What did you think of that as a design? I just please? looked at it and went, what? That'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> did they look weird, hey? Oh, they looked so weird. It was weird. It was like, I don't know. Well, goes to show. It's a show. I mean, it's funny that I can't believe I was, you know, that I, I you know, I 
I was before thrusters. And when I saw them too, it just looked like they were way too loose. It looked like it something looked like, was wrong. Yeah, it looked like that would spin out, you know, like... Yeah. Um, I mean, well, 20s were spinning out more, I guess, but... Yeah, they were. <laughs> but far out. Righto, boys. Well, thanks so much for joining us on stage. What about a round of applause for uh, Russ and Kirk? Yeah. And now we're going to invite a very special, well, two very special guests on the stage. She was the darling of Sydney's northern peninsula, a tomboy who fought and scrapped her way through the testosterone-fueled hierarchy of Manly Beach's male-dominated lineups to become the town's great hope for women surfing. Leaving school at 15, she found herself runner-up to the world title in her rookie season. But despite landmark performances all over the world, particularly in the thundering peaks of Hawaii's Sunset Beach, where she was always a standout in the big stuff, the championship continued to elude her. Then in 1989, she partnered with the legendary master craftsman, Mark Rabbage. Yeah, that's right. The same man who put that magic sled under Tom Curran's feet for his now immortal first wave at Jeffreys Bay. All of a sudden, her competitive follies began to disappear. Acting as her shaper, manager, coach and soulmate, Rabbage was able to help her find the missing mongrel and ignite a competitive fire that finally saw her achieve a lifelong dream by taking out the 1990 World Surfing Crown. The two have since gone on to become one of surfing's most iconic and enduring couples. The articulate, accomplished and much-loved Hall of Famer and a brilliant, imaginative, mower of home life partner. Please welcome to the stage, Pam Burridge and Mark Rabbage. But that was actually Pam singing. Pam and the Passions. So, Round of applause. So good. I love it. That voice. Thanks so Fantastic. much for joining us, guys. This is such a pleasure. No, um, so good. That was great listening to the stories and yeah. the terrifying stories of paddling over oh all those waves from Russ. Oh, I know. Yeah. How are you guys going, first of all? What's been happening? Uh, yeah, living the dream down here in Mollymook. Um, yeah, working, running a surf school, but still surfing a lot and... Mark used to shape till like, they cut his arm open the other day, but... Um, new no, arm, no, new still, knees. Still shaping, but... <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. Pre- pretty much the same stuff, you know, just yeah. Yeah, while we moved down here. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's start with you, Pam, because um, the photo that we're about to show on the screen is, is a pretty good place to start. Uh, it's a photo of you and Isabel Latham, and uh, when you're very young. Uh, do you remember meeting her when you were young? Uh, Isabel yeah. Latham, of course, the woman who surfed with the Duke when she... You know, yeah. one of the first Australians to actually stand up on a surfboard. Yeah, so I met um, 
when the AWSA was formed, which was like, um, the, well, the ASA was running surfing, Australian Surfing Association, and their New South Wales um, counterparts and stuff, and they weren't doing a heck of a job because they were doing stuff like drawing straws for the winners when um, they couldn't be bothered running the heats to see who would get through. Oh, my God. Really epic. Wow. So, so it was really looking after us. Yeah. So anyway, the ADLSA was formed and we had loads and loads of girls surfing in state rounds and national rounds. So um, Isabel was asked to be the patron of the New South Wales um, version and um, so she came to all our meetings and... Like, and we'd have them up in uh, the kiosk at, at Freshie. There was a restaurant that was pretty defunct at that point. So it was right on the headland looking down on where she surfed with the Duke. Like, those, well, so that would have been about 76, okay? So Whoa, she surfed that's... in 1915. And so the link, you know, it wasn't lost on me, even though I was a self-centered yeah. little git at oh, 13 yeah, yeah. or whatever it was. But, but um, yeah. So, so, so it wasn't, was this isn't just a photo opportunity. This is a, a woman who was involved and wanted to see women surfing grow. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and yeah. what was she like? Was she, I've yeah, heard she, she was an absolute classic. Yeah, she, went, she, she moved to Hollywood to become a stunt woman. She, she had a crazy life. Yeah, she, yeah, she did a lot of... Um, Yes, well, she was training a lot of swimmers and did some stunts, or I don't know, stunt stuff in synchronised swimming yeah, stuff. Yeah. My sister's a synchronised swimmer and my family are. But, um, yeah, she did uh, lots of pioneering stuff and, like, uh, wearing some of the first bikinis for practical reasons when she, she lived in um, California. And, but lots of real physical stuff that I guess a lot of women weren't doing and, and pioneering travelling. And when she was in Australia, um, like, after she surfed with the Duke, she used to hide a board down there, like... I guess a lot of people did because they're too big, big, big to move. But she had to hide it from her dad, you know, because she wasn't allowed to go surfing. So she'd just, like sneak and go surfing and those old like redwoods or whatever they were. I don't know. And yeah. what did you make of her? Like, I mean, what was her personality like? Because the, the famous story is that Duke pulled her up by the hair because she had no idea what she was doing on that on that ride. Uh, but well, she was a, she was gung ho, yeah, right? Like, she, well, she, she lived yeah, a pretty she, crazy she, life. She was up for it for sure, and and they, they had um like Duke's Day up at Freshie a few years ago to celebrate um a milestone. I can't remember which one, but they had a, a replica over the eight six like the board, and, and you went, oh wow, she stood on that with that guy in like quite big surf, like it's five foot low tide Freshie, you know, and you're gonna hoik <laughs> this this fifteen year old yeah. girl who, who could swim, but you know, could never surf. Uh, and, you know, so she, she she was up for it. But, yeah, it would have been terrifying. Like, and, I'd and be did terrified. You, like, you know, sitting in meetings with her, was she uh, – did she have, like, sort of crazy energy or was she quite oh, reserved? She was, she was, she was scallywag. Yeah, yeah, scallywag. Yeah, That's yeah. a word, isn't it? Yeah, she was, she was cheeky. Cheeky as. I mean, she was – I mean, uh, so in – she would have been, like, in her 70s then. So she, to me, you know, those people that I was were, were really old. But she was definitely um, – yeah, full of cheek, and and she. When I visited years and years later, um, when she was up at like where South Pacific is a hospital, she was up there, um, and whether she was in uh, like a rehab type thing or a, she was living there, I'm not quite sure now. But I remember watching, uh, visiting her, and she was looking out the window and saying. I'm only interested in those big waves. I don't care about the small waves. So she's like kindred spirit to Russ, I think. Uh, she should have grown up down here. Yeah. yeah. But we were talking about before just how young surfing is. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. a direct yeah, yeah. line from basically one of the first people to stand up on a surfboard here. I mean, arguments about the first, but that's generally regarded as one of the, the key moments that forged, like, you know, Australia's identity as surfers. 
Yeah, and sure. you were there. You knew her. That's just it blows my mind. Yeah, and named our, our daughter after her. So. Oh, no wow. way. That's, That's cool. so yeah, She doesn't yeah. really surf anymore, but anyway. Classic. It's so crazy to think for. Imagine 100 years from now. Yeah, give that a clap. That's amazing. Uh, just crazy to think 100 years from now, 200 years from now. You know, surfing will likely still exist if the planet still exists. Uh, and we'll be looking yeah. back on people like Pam and Oki. Like, these people will be like, you know, just gods. There'll be bronze statues of them erected at beaches. And, uh, you know, They're gods it's crazy. Now, man. It's a trip out, man. But, uh, and, you know, and me and you, Vaughan, you know, no one will rem- remember us. But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to think that. Fair call. Fair call. Um, surfing is so young. I'm curious to know, Pam, what was – we had uh, – we were just speaking to Jodie Cooper during the week. Um, we had a great chat with her. But we were, we were wondering, like, what was it like for you growing up as a girl surfer in Manly? Was it um, tough? Well, yeah. Or was it, was it all well, it was, open? It was tough for everyone at every beach, I think, in the 70s, but especially so if you're a girl or a woman. Um, and, yeah, I was young enough to start – um, before I turned into a girl. <laughs> so I was a tomboy and I looked like a boy. So I got through it that way. I just kind of under the radar and just joined in the, gr- the, um, the ranks of the grommets who were getting abused and we were right down the pecking order anyway. So, um, yeah, if you were brave enough to just... It wasn't, like, outright hostile, but, you know, it was like, don't move. <laughs> don't get in my way. Don't take my waves. So know? when you were a grom, like, what years are these, roughly? So, so I started surfing in 75, so... Okay, yeah, so Manly's got a pretty years. established surf scene by then, yeah. and, and there's a yeah. pecking order, and there's, like, the guys who rip, yeah. and there's, yeah, you've got sure. to sort of prove your Absolutely, you've got to prove, worth your, prove your worth and, and yeah. hold your position, and you'll, you learn all that stuff the hard way, and, and if someone drops in on you, just keep up with them, and just quietly just kick out and subtly maybe look at them and, yeah, just hold your own. Uh, you won national titles, correct me if I'm wrong, when you were 15 and 16 years old. Is that correct? Uh, yep. I think like maybe back to back. And then, yep. and then uh, you went on the international circuit. So, yeah, I, I got invited to um, Hawaii because I was national champ. I got invited to go and surf at Sunset and Haleva. Um, so I was like 15 or whatever. And so I went and That's surfed. That's insane. That is so young to be going overseas. And it's mind-boggling. It's just awesome. One of those photos actually has probably my second one I bought out of my second quiver. But anyway, I was so excited when um, my mum asked Jeff McCoy, who was chafing my boards at the time, how long will she need to practice? And he goes, six weeks. I was like, yes, <laughs> fantastic. I can leave school and go to Hawaii. Oh, wow, what practice. a deal. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. But then I realised I had to, like, surf sunset and actually catch waves, not just high. And, and, and how, did, how was that? It was, it was, oh, like, it, it was terrifying. Um, and especially seeing the girls who were winning and doing really well, Margot Oberg, Lynn Boyer, Brenda Scott Rogers, there's a whole bunch of them that were actually taking really big waves on good boards, taking like the 10-footers, 8-footers, double-ups, pulling into closeouts at Inside Sunset, stuff that I couldn't contemplate. There was no chance I was doing like anything like any of that, but it was... It was good to see and realise what you had to do. Oh, I just can't even comprehend it. A 15-year-old yeah, I'm getting scared female <laughs> surfing. You're getting scared just sitting here. PTSD. <laughs> fucking hell. 15-year-old. Yeah, give that a clap. I mean, fucking hell. Oh, yeah. So the story, oh, okay, I got lost in that. But um, So I went to that contest and came, like, last or second last and um, came home and, and then found out that I was a professional 
because I hadn't won any money or anything, but I'd surfed in that contest where a few rounds later some people would get some money and it was on the telly and stuff, so wide world of sports. So, um, so yeah, the, um, the amateurs deemed me professional, so I had, I had nowhere to go. I couldn't surf the world titles, um, even though I was Aussie champ. And, and Richo went as, as Aussie champ that year and he'd done the same and they did, they banned him, so lucky I didn't spend my money. Um, yeah, yeah, so I went pro and just went, oh, well, I'll go on the world tour and fuck you all, you know, so... Yeah. And what were your parents thinking? Were they terrified? I mean, and, and who, did you get oh, chaperoned? Like, how did no, you survive? I, did you even I, know how to cook <laughs> eggs at that point? I, I was not, no, like, Vegemite toast maybe. But, um, yeah, I went, I was just talking this story today with a friend from New York and said, oh, my first contest was in New York. And I went there by myself and was, went to California, New York for three months by myself. And, what, um, 16, just, 17 at this uh, Yeah, I was, I was 16. And uh, I must have just looked really confident when I told the story to my, fa- my parents. And, you know, there's no mobile phones or email or, you know. So there's a, an aerogram every month and a phone <laughs> call every now and then. And I was sleeping on um, Greg Pouch's uh, couch in, in Newport Beach for about, and he said, whatever you do, don't tell my roommate that you're here for more than a week. I was like, there for a month, you know, sleeping on the couch, cooking my fish fingers in the toaster. It was pretty wow, funny. that is so cool. Oh, so bad. It's mind-blowing. How long were you, you know, starting to live this thing before you had some success and winning some money? Did you feel like you were just... Live, you know, because it wasn't really a dream tour, was it? It was like just all starting. Well, it was all a dream to me, but yeah, like you know, it was. Um, I actually got second to Margot Oberg in that first contest. That first I, like, comp. It wasn't my first ever comp because I'd been to Bells and yeah. done a few, but the first like fully on tour away type of comp. And um, so yeah, I won a little bit of money, I guess. And my my career is is just um, littered with that sort of thing where I just make a final or just get a sponsor. You know, the crystal cylinders thing I, I did when I was young and paid paid for me to go away and. Um, so yeah, it just it just was my dream to do it. So it wasn't a dream tour, but it was my dream. And money was tight in those days, as we all know. But you know, explain to us how tight it was. Like, just how hard was it to make ends meet, and and how fraught did that make things between competitors? Yeah, I mean, it, it sucked because it was only. The top, I don't know, four that could possibly even scrape a living and get a few sponsors. And the girls who were equally as good as us in the bottom four, maybe not as ruthless or something, some slight difference, would give it one year and have to have to drop out pretty much. So, yeah, it wasn't a lot of money to go around or sponsorship. But there was, you know, there was enough for us who were, who were really, really keen to just keep it, keep it going, you and know. What did that mean exactly, being really keen? Like, uh, how did you separate yourselves from that bottom four? We were, we were most deluded, I think, you know, most deluded. And, and just, um, yeah, you, just, you had that self-belief that you just... Like, I wanted to be world champ. I was really... That was my dream. And Jodie Cooper would always say that she wanted to be respected as a really good surfer. And I think you have to be really specific in your dreams because it seems to be... And if you're really committed to it, 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 it does... Seem, and I was like, and, you know... Lane Beachley told me she's going to win more, well, equal now, but more world championships than anyone else. And I was like, you're kidding, Gidget. You haven't even won one yet, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and look, you know, it just seems to happen like that. So that's a message to the kids out there. Message to the kids. Yeah, it's great advice. Be really specific in your dream. And, I mean, Russ is a classic example of that. The kid just wanted to get giant cones, and look at him now. <laughs> He's getting giant cones. He's getting paid for it. It's mental. Um, I'm just curious to know, you know, like right now we're on equal pay in surfing, which is awesome. Uh, did you feel like, did you ever feel that in your time on tour, did you start to get angry 
about sort of like the disparity, about even just the, the waves they'd send you out in. You know, the, the, it was just so clear that they had the men first and women a long distance second. When yeah. did you start to sort of need to start fighting that? Oh, uh, we, um, well, yeah, I mean, it was a constant grind to try and um, gain any ground in that respect because it was, it was like, laughable <laughs> that we'd want or equal or any, you know, pretty much any money or to be there at all, which was... It was just because it, it was established as a men's tour and then, you know, it seemed like we were tacked on and, and that, was, that was how it was viewed, even though, yeah, we, we had heaps of good surfers and heaps of history, and the but it was really crushed, you it was know, only for a lot of years. One, it's, it formed one year after the men's, right? So it's not, it's yeah, not like well, it was... You know, they were, they were still travelling to South Africa and doing, surfing in those events where they backdated PT's <laughs> world, t- world, world title and they could backdate one for the women. I was trying to agitate for that, actually. Yeah. It hasn't happened, but... Um, um, yeah, uh, so yeah, they, they, were, they were spending their money and committed to their surfing and travelling the world from, from then as well, you know, and before in the semi-pro-ams and amateur stuff. And were, were, was, was there a fight going on? Were, were oh, the women... all, all the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the time. Just, um, and, the, I mean, often we'd, the fight would more be that we had to be really good at promoting whatever was there. So at the spot ever sponsors we had were kind of happy and they'd get their... Their exposure and yeah, so we're kind of like doing the yes, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure, we'll do that, <laughs> we'll yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, it was it's a big fight and and you know, when I found out about the equal pay, I was blown away like yeah. that they did that like and and still I'm conditioned to think oh that's too much you know, um, because of where I've come from, it's like the you. In, you put that ceiling on yourself after wow. a while because you hmm. just... Oh, like, that's oh. crazy. Yeah, it, it hmm. is. It's, and even Steph Gilmore was, was saying she'd have that argument with her sister sometimes that, oh, the WSL have done really well. Like, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't push it. And her sister was like, no, no, it's got to be equal because... And the equal part is for the, for the future generations. That's they right. will believe yeah. that. It's and It's got to be become... equal opportunity, not just, you know, like it, it, everything is based on... Were we given the same opportunity? No, we weren't. So, of course, it's not going to evolve as fast yeah, and you're not yeah. going to get the better waves and you're not going to have the opportunity to show what yeah. you can actually do if you have that opportunity. That's right. So, and we can see the growth in yeah. sport now and how many people like watching the women's heats as well as the men's in, in you know, specific ways. And, yeah, it's really good. There's a great world title race playing out now. Mm. But, you know, in your time... Actually, Chad, you were going to take this one, right? The, the world title races you were involved in. There was a few. Yeah. The Bryce, first one. The perennial bridesmaid. Yeah, you, you got runner-up on debut, right? Yeah, so, yeah, to um, Debbie Beecham, my first full year on tour. But, um, yeah, I was... And, and it was, the sad thing was I didn't really know how it worked and um, went into the last event, made the final, Debbie made the final... Um, I beat her in the final. I was leading the ratings. And then on adjusted points, I dropped below. I was like, God damn. <laughs> so and that you was... adjusted points? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so no, they'd only just introduced that. And, um, <sighs> yeah, so that was, that was a near miss. And, you know, but that was because the only reason I got to that higher spot, um, Margot and Lynn, they, re- they retired from full-time competition. So, you know, the, and as happened throughout the, you know, other people's careers, like when I retired and Jody and Wendy and Frida and everyone, everyone else jumped up and got to have the limelight. So away. crazy though. When, when was the last person to get a runner up on debut? Taj? Pe- people have won <laughs> on their first year. Oh, yeah. One yeah, Steph Gilmore. First year? On their rookie year? Steph Gilmore Steph. and uh, Kim, Kim, Kim Mirag right. won from the trials. Okay. Yeah. Um, back in 
But uh, I'm interested to know, I mean, you got run up in your first year on tour and you must have thought, fuck, this isn't that hard. Look, I'm going to... I'm going to slay it. I'm going to clean up here. I'll just figure out that adjusted points thing and I'm going to go for it, yeah? But it took you 10 years to win a title in the end. I know, it did. So I got, yeah, three more runner-ups before I won and another two after just to make it sound really bad. But, um, <laughs> no, there was a couple of ones where it were just pure failures, where, like, at Queensy when I decided to surf the, the fading lefts instead of the down-the-line the, down the rights with the big, like, closeouts, and I just... Yeah, just a few... A few tactical things, you, and yeah, it just comes back to haunt you really badly. Yeah, what was the, yeah. the mental process? That one at all? What was the mental process there? Were you really starting to second guess yourself whether you'd ever break through? I mean, oh, for sure, for sure. But um, you know, you'd have to sort of just uh, regroup and then see if you really wanted it. And like when when we did win, or I won in nineteen ninety. That year, Mark asked me that question. Is like, like, do you, do you want to go for it? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And he's like, no, no, no. Do you actually really want to go for it? Like, put everything in, risk that, be that vulnerable, and be that, like, put yourself out there because you kind of can go, oh, yeah, I want a world title. Um, but yeah, so just that was a bit of a different year, different approach. Trained hard. I did just worked on the boards. Did you made me these boards that I couldn't do my lazy straight leg, shoulder drop and turn. So if I did that, I'd just fall off. So it was right. really mean. But occasionally I have a good backhand turn now and I could do some backhand re-entries. And apparently they do really well in competition. So <laughs> hey, I got through a few heats on them. Yeah, wow. Well, so you had to adjust your equipment, adjust your whole approach, adjust, yeah. even change your style to win a title. That's what you mean by you know, having to be vulnerable and make drastic changes. Yeah, just I admit that, yeah, you, you, didn't, you didn't quite have, an, have it all going on. You, you, know, you had some mistakes in your surfing or errors that... Just hadn't been fixed, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we put it together, and um, uh, yeah, won on the last event of the year. I mean, I was leading, but I yeah, won at sunset, so it was really special. Yeah, Reggae Ellis uh, actually told me this cool story where he was driving in in his car along Pittwater Road or something like that, and he uh, he heard on the radio that you'd won, and he had to pull over and start punching the the steering wheel <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, there was like there was ten years of people expecting you to win. And yeah, then starting yeah. to hope that you'd win and then starting yeah. to go, oh, my God, I hope she, you know, this is yeah. starting to, like, get... Queen of suspense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you created <laughs> suspense. Beautifully done. Beautifully yes. done. Great story. The film's yeah. going to be amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, tell us about that comp at Sunset. Did you know you were going to win it? Did you have it in your soul that you were going to... Well, when you've had that many, you know, near misses, it's like the old rugby league team that gets to the final and has been beat too many times. It's culture of winning, you know, and it's, it's mm. emotive versus emotion. You know, if you've, you know, I couldn't picture winning because I hadn't done it yet. Um, so I had to just believe that it was going to happen, but I didn't really believe it. But I'd won Sunset the year before in really similar conditions. I knew my lineups, I knew the waves I wanted to catch. Jodie actually... said you were an animal at Sunset and she hated surfing heats against you out there. Oh, uh, well, because she had a lock on it for a few years and then I figured it out. <laughs> just, uh, and um, yeah, and just, yeah, just got used to it and, and liked it. Um, yeah, so yeah, just, I, I think I, I did, knew, knew I had a chance, so I wasn't completely. Um, getting, looking for second, that's for sure. But um, Wendy Botha was finishing strong and she's made the final there before, but she hadn't won. So, you know, I had just a slight belief that... It, and then, yeah, sure enough, she faltered in the semi and, um, yeah, I, I went on through. So... Mantle. Good for me. World champ, folks. Ten years on the grind. That was a remarkable year. That was just like, you know, if, if I think about that year, that's when I'm starting to buy tracks for the first time. I'm starting to, like, you know, really connect with Pro Surf and the stories around it. 
And the other big story, like you won in the year that Tom Curran yeah. came out of retirement, surfed all the way through yeah. the trials, like smashed it. It, it had a, a cosmic energy around it that year for yeah. some reason. There was yeah. something spiritual going on. Yeah. Um, did it feel like, you know, in the, in the initial aftermath, did you feel like a relief or were you absolutely yeah. ecstatic? Oh, it was mostly relief. And um, I, I, I did the classic catastrophic thinking thing when I got caught inside by a big set at the end of that heat. I thought, oh, great, now I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I won't get to live it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was mostly relief and, yeah, I thought I was going to die. But, um, you know. We barred all the media too leading up to it because we thought we don't oh, yeah. need any more bridesmaid stories. Ah, so we kept them all yeah. at bay, you know. Yeah, Mark, I'm interested to know what your role in all this was, man. Like what were some of the... The tips and, and just some of the layers you were able to bring to Pam's career? Well, honesty. For many years, oh, poor girl, she got second. Oh, that's terrible. You know, no one told her the truth. You know, and she had to change the way she surfed if she was ever going to win. And to do that, we had to change the way she surfed, her boards, everything, to make it happen. Because, and it's happening to women today or, or surfers today, they get judged on their past performances, and they think, oh, no, they can surf better than that. Hmm. So they, you know, they go out there and surf really well and get a five. And someone else goes out and does one manoeuvre and they go, wow, it's new, I haven't seen that before. They get a six, you mm. know. So that was happening to Pam. She was getting co- compared to her previous performances. So we had to really s- spark it up and change it. Mm. I've heard that actually said about Paco in, in sort of like towards the end of his it's happening to Steph, oh, As too. he got closer to his world title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so how hard was it to actually reinvent that, to bring something new It was to hard. <laughs> she was a kook. <laughs> oh, wow. Whoa. It could be. But well, the high tide no, what, had, what had been happening for years was, like, when she was with McCoy, she'd ride what Shane Haran was riding because he was the man. And then when she was with... So, okay, Aloha, so there wasn't she'd even be riding like a... what Damien or, or Barton were riding. So, but she never had boards made for her. So when we started making boards for her, it changed the whole game. Big difference. What's, uh, like, you know, now uh, with the benefit of hindsight and, and time away from the tour and everything that, you know, everything that's gone on in the time since winning the world title to, to where women's surfing's at today, Pam, like, what's been the most, the thing about it that stoked you out the most? Oh, probably the number, numbers of girls just surfing, mm. you know, um, not all competing, just getting out there and, you know, just having fun and, yeah, yeah. And, and also the, the elite like, level that they're pushing, they're, they are really pushing every year. It's like it's, it's that growth is like so quick, so it's really good. It's awesome, isn't it? I mean, um, in Bali this year when Steph got the 10 in the final. Yeah, how like, was that? Every single surfer on tour was on the beach. Everyone was there and it was like a celebration of a beautifully surfed wave. And it was... Yeah. It just completely took away any gender stuff. Yeah, and, you know, really like in spontaneous. Surfing, and, she yeah. surfs so good. Yeah, it's so amazing. Good. But, like, in surfing we do often come back to these conversations about, like, where are we at with women, where are we at with men, how's it all going? But when, when you we, just see a wave surf beautifully from start to finish like that. When she won the world title, the next year was the hardest year of the lot because we nearly didn't get back on tour. There was just no money. You know, we thought, oh, beauty, world champ. Now we'll get plenty of sponsorship. But it was 1990. There was, it was a recession. It was really tough. And, you know, and I, I knew a lot of the guys in the surf industry 
at the top, I could go and sit down and talk to them. But they said, there's no budget. There's no money. So it was really tough for us. And, and like, that starts to get into the heats, right? Because every single heat you win is survival and a bit more yeah. extra coin. Who, who was your, your toughest competitor? Who was your... your your enemy. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there's rivals. Like, there's rivals because they're, they're there at the top. And then there's... I won't, hey, who's the, who's the one? Who's the one no, you paddled out and just went, oh! No, but I, I think my the head-to-head against uh, Narita Falconer when we were... Oh, Scott's head represent! Renera yes. would not give an inch for that first wave, and I'd always give up. I'd be like, oh, I can't be bothered. And then, uh, yeah, so she was, yeah, she was really tough. Um, and, yeah, not many of the girls really, like, like work positioning, like, super hard, and they just surf their own heats. Um, but people would, like, if, yeah, uh, like, well, uh, Luke, um, like you were saying about Luke, Taken off. Of course, in that time, of course you would take off on a wave if you had priority and someone's riding past you. Like, if you didn't, that would be, like, But you would have been home, on the beach you know? at Manly when uh, Dilma did it to Tom Carroll and yeah. everyone everyone yeah. spat the dummy in. It, it was, was like it was the biggest yeah. feeling ever. I thought it was brilliant. Like, if you can, it's sleight of hand. Like, how do you turn around and catch a wave with no momentum? And that's the rules. I got caught on the, one, on the wrong side of it um, on a completely different beach at Newcastle. I was, I was surfing the point and uh, Lynette McKenzie was surfing the peak. The other side of the rocks, I got an interference for catching the same wave. Lynette McKenzie, by the way. What a surfer. I yeah. love her. <laughs> what a legend. Finest. Cool. An absolute battler. Core yeah. Lord battler. But, Mark, I want to dip into your uh, your shaping career too, man, because it's, it's, you know, steeped in uh, incredible boards. You've made incredible boards for incredible surfers. Curran's uh, J-Bay board, searching for Tom yeah. Curran. Uh, you know, probably, I'm going to say it's definitely my favourite wave that's ever been surfed, and it wouldn't have happened without that surfboard. No, nah, it was good. Can you good uh, tell us a story about how all that unfolded? Well, that happened. I was, I was in J-Bay prior to that for a couple of weeks, few weeks, working and shaping there and surfing there, and there wasn't anyone out. There was hardly anyone surfing J-Bay then. We'd get a place to the self, you know. It was unreal. Anyway, I came back and then Derek Hine was going back to do a story and he wanted to get surfboards from various shapers for Tom, for Tom to ride at his first experience at J-Bay. And because I'd been there, I figured, yeah, I think this is what he needs. So, you know, and I'd, I'd already made boards for Tom, so I knew what he, what he needed and I knew what he needed for there. And, but, uh, yeah, that's amazing to watch him ride that wave. But when you watched that wave for the first time, were you like, fuck. <laughs> I didn't know I was that good. <laughs> no. <well, laughs> it's funny, like, as a shaper, and, and Kirk would know, you, you don't look for the big things. You look for the little slight adjustments. And if you look at the slight adjustments on that wave, is, they're all perfect. Oh, beautiful, like, the, the outside yeah. rail down and stuff, you know. It's working. <laughs> and where else uh, did your boards find their way? Like, whose feet did they find their way beneath? I mean, you made well, a few funny. Off, when Ock was here, and I'd shape boards from nearly everyone he's talked about. Yeah, we in the old days, and we were hand shaping then. There's no machines. And, you know, you'd be on tour in France or in America or somewhere and just shape boards for guys because they just needed boards, you know. And uh, it wore me out. My arms are buggered. My legs are buggered. But I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot about shaping, you know, and I learned a lot about how people match surfboards, more, more importantly, you know. You, match, you make surfboards for people and then you, you design them to surf the waves those people want to ride, you know. And I learned a lot of that from shaping the little best surfers in the world, you know. It's really good making boards for 
killer surface, you know. You go, fuck, this is unreal. You watch them ride the wave, you go, wow, look at that shit, man. <laughs> it was all a bit before my time and I guess a few of the other people in the crowd. Can you give us some names? Well, Ock. I made a few for Ock. Luke, I made some for Luke. Tom, Barton. And talk buddy. to us about, yeah, you know, the, the kind of surfing they were doing and, and the boards, yeah. You had to tell well, I've, I've found that surfers break down into three groups. There's back footers, front footers and guys that rock either way, you know. And then I make boards to – I design boards that meet those guys' criteria. And then after you figure that out, the height thing is a big deal because your eyeballs when you're surfing pretty much stay as, as close to, to still as possible and you fulc- you fulcrum around it. And if you look at a skier or a surfer or anybody, that's pretty much what's going on. If your eyes are going all over the place, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned this on a trip to Phillip Island with Nat. And uh, we flew down in his little plane. And <laughs> no it was way. fucking terrifying. He, he gave me a road map and he said, we're going down the, we're going down the Hume. <laughs> <laughs> so we went down there. We had, Bo was in the back and my son Mick was in the back. And we flew down to... Anyway, flew down to um, Phillip Island and um, anyway, we sent our boards down by road and Nat's boards arrived and mine boards didn't. And Nat said, no worries, ride my boards. So I rode it and I thought, oh, this guy's like shit, man. You wait till mine come tomorrow, you can ride that. Anyway, he rode mine and he went, ah, oh, no, it's too loose, man. It's too weird. And I went, something's going on here because I'm like 5'9", 5'8", 5'9", Nat's 6'3". So I thought about that a lot and then that curve between your feet, the motor curve in your surfboard, I've played a lot of attention to that ever since and it seems to work. Well, you know, those curves, get them right for the person. Tall guys, flatter curve, shorter guys, more curve. Works good. <laughs> Fuck, that's really cool, man. What, what do you make of boards in the whole board industry now? I mean, you know, oh, like back... It's, it's gone... I don't want to get too political with you or anything. No, no, just no, like no political. Are, are you enjoying shaping? Do you like where yes, it's at? Are I you, enjoy are... shaping now because I don't do retail, I don't do overseas, yeah. I, don't, I don't work my ass off for no money. Uh, I mean, I started, I started shaping in 1966 through necessity. Wow. Because, like... I had a really good board. I loved the thing, you know, and I sold it like an idiot. And then I got another new board and it was shit house, you know. And then I thought, no, I can do, I can, I just want to get this old board back again. I wanted to change a few things. And so through that necessity, I tried to help the shaper explain to him what I needed, you know, and then he wouldn't do what I wanted to do. <laughs> going, that, Fuck that, this. That, that's so not Bloody shapers on I'll make another one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I started there. You know, and um, just played around with design mainly. And, and, like, a few of my friends have been mentioned here, Shapers, tonight, like Simon. And, like, Simon and I, we grew up – he's a bit younger than me, but we grew up in the same area and um, did a lot of design and stuff together, you know. But um, Simon creeps on the design for many years, whereas I'll go fucking bare and then work back, you work know, back, and go, yeah. that's fucked, and then I'll work back, you know. What, what, what's your biggest failure? Like, I mean, it's probably you just snap them in half and chuck them in. A no, 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 no. Yeah, have, have you got a failure that you learned a lot from? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple. Yeah. Because what I, I don't just say, well, that doesn't work, I'll make another board. I adjust the board and take the bad points out of it that I think of fucking it up and then ride it and go, oh, well, that improved it, so... Because you know, there's a lot of really good boards in the second-hand rack and they just got the wrong fins in them, <laughs> you know. So there's a lot of stuff that, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful career. I love shaping. I mean, if you want to make money, you're never going to make any money being a surfboard shaper, but you either work for money or passion. Mm. I guess I work for passion. What's you know? the biggest mistake you can make with a board? Like, I mean, we're, every single person in here has boards. They probably f- feel like they've got a, a good handle on, like, what works well for them. They've, yeah. They've got it all handled. But, like, what's the, the biggest mistake you can make? Like, what, why, what would you be looking for or I asking think... for that you don't really need? <sighs> oh... It's a hard question to, to answer with surf shop proprietors in well, the shop. What, what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what about this then? What should people be looking for? I think most people, the average surfer, should be riding a little bit more length. And Ock was touching on this too, you know. Kelly, I do, I've never made boards for Kelly. The reason being, we made a deal years and years ago. I said, I won't make boards for you. Because he, he was riding Simon's boards at the time. And he said, I'll make me some boards. And I said, nah. I said, I, if I make boards for you, you can't be honest on how you're surfing. And I'd say to him, you're surfing good on that one. he go, OK, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that was cool. I could do that, you know. But uh, I'd like to make him a board. When he came and visited us one time, I got a board in the, in the rafters. It's all shrunk, really intense shrinkage. And that was the one he wanted to ride. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Just, just wanted to ride that thing, you know. And just quickly before we let you go, can you take us through, you know, the highlights of your shaping career, some of the, the best boards or your, your most treasured boards? Um, we've got some of Pam's boards. There's a couple of classic boards there. There's an eight-foot gun that she still rides today that she just loves, you know, and that's surfed big waves in Hawaii and it's just... A good board doesn't have to only be ridden in big waves. It should perform in short waves and small waves too. And she rides it at three-foot Green Island and it goes unreal too. Obviously, um, uh, the, the current board, the board I gave Tom at Newcastle that he took back to France where Morris, Maurice and co took the banner from there and, and took it to the reverse V. That was a pretty iconic surfboard. And... Uh, I owed Tom a board, so I said, I'll make you one for Newcastle, you know, and I did that, and uh, that was a wild board, and he loved the thing. He's going, whoa, can I take this back? I said, yeah, take it with you, man. <laughs> and then there's a few of mine, you know, I've made some finless things that I really get into that's a lot of fun to ride, you know. Just challenges, you know, you just try things, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the tri-fin thing was mentioned here tonight. You know, I, I was on the beach when they were ridden and, and F- Frank Williams was riding them, you know, weeks, months before. You know, and that quite often happens. Someone else designs something and, and someone else makes it famous. And that's the case with Simon. You know, he made that thing famous. He honed it and tuned it right up and made it famous, whereas Frank was already riding it, you know. Yeah, yeah it helps when you win... Three, three of the biggest comps in the world. Oh yeah, within yeah. the same calendar year. That, that's yeah. that's going to change things. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Guys, look, this has been an absolute pleasure, Pam. It's so awesome to share this stage with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Mark. You legends. What about a round of applause, please, guys? Ain't That Swell Live is brought to you by Billabong Wetsuits, lined with graphene. Me and Smithy have both got one, and nothing keeps you warmer. Get into your local surf shop and get one on you. Only a swillian knows the feeling. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie.
wouldn't have coned without you, mate. Wait, what, what am I doing? Um, old mate here wants to ask uh, the panel a question. Max, get your pyjamas off, mate, and sit down. <laughs> yeah, g'day, panel. I'd like to ask Oki if he's heard of Catfish's Barrel at Nalu. I met Catfish tonight. This is Catfish. Oh, there he's right next to you. <laughs> No, no, it was, no, it was, it was, where was it? Speedies. It was one of those barrels, you know the ones. Oki, have you ever heard of Catfish getting coned through Speedies, mate? <laughs> Sounds like a song. Who <laughs> uh, the Blowfish sing it? <laughs> I haven't, but I'd love to see it. Is it on, uh, get it on, did you get it on video? Actually, I don't. problem, they missed the whole <laughs> <laughs> Oh, of course I did. Oh, well, it didn't happen Of course happen I missed it. Hello. What's your name? Jake. Hi, Jake. Hey, uh, what's the worst bit of surf lingo you've heard over the years? Surf lingo? Yeah, the worst. Ooh. Worst bit of surf lingo, guys. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of our tour, Rocky. Hey, don't blame me. Dave Wassel coined that. No, I'm only joking. Um, I think the worst one for me is it, it was fun. I mean, it's fun, but I mean... Hang on. No, I'm they coming. can't say when you interview them, like, how was your heat? It was fun. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah. Like, mm. everyone says it's fun. Can't you be a bit more... Come on, you guys. You must have some dodgy surf lingo that you've heard over the years. Back in the 60s, we used to say, it's a gas, man. It's gas. <laughs> I love that one. That's sick. <laughs> Jumping Jack Flash. It was gas. <laughs> super stoked. Super stoked. I'm just super stoked right now. That one kind of gets on my nerves a bit. Isn't it stoked? Nobody waves. Different waves, like waves you would work once a year. Is there any standout waves you rode and you... You know, you waited for and popped up and surfed like Oki Bundana Bay surf, surfing Mushy Point. Oh, you mean like the best novelty wave? Novelty wave, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I Ooh, Oki likes that one. I do like that. I think I've, there's been a lot. We would, but um, I think the wave under the San Francisco Bridge, Fort Point. Oh, yeah. Sick wave. <laughs> that, Is it good? It's all good right. Wave? You surf that, Pam? Yeah. That's a good question. You're winning so far. What do you guys what? reckon? Um, Dead Man's, that's a pretty novelty way around the back, back we of We surfed Boy Argent Point and Grotto Point in Middle Harbour. We surfed that one time, or well, a couple of times. Oh, Middle Harbour gets good. And we yeah. used to jump off the ferry and surf the Dobroyd Bommy in the 60s. Just all jump off the ferry and go surf the Bommy. It was mad. <laughs> what was the, uh, the, the island inside the bay? Is it Bear Island or something like that? That's in Botany Bay, yeah. That's the one? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. no, no. Different one. We jump off another one. I saw Jack Eden had a bunch of photos of blokes surfing yeah. back in the day. Yeah. What about your? What's your favourite novelty wave, Pam? No, I love all novelty waves. Nah, They're, me too. They go right up the. Yeah, I love a novelty wave. Okay, we got one, and then we got one. I don't even know. Turn this thing. Oh, it's on. You don't suck on it. What's the worst drop in you've had, or <laughs> vice versa? Uh, what have you ever dropped in on that's been really horrible? What's that? Worst drop in. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, Kelly, I, I, I surfed behind Kelly in, in um, where was that, at Durban. And I encouraged him, I'd take off, take off. And I tried to try stay in his track all the way down the line. And I was on a long board, he was on a short board. And it was, I got most of the way. It was pretty cool though, to find his track, you know, stay behind him. It was unreal. I got him to drop in on me, yeah. Pam, any, uh, any classic fades over the years? I have dropped in, but, uh, you know, I can't remember. Oh, come on. Cough it up. <laughs> 
I shoulder, shoulder hockey. What about getting faded? I mean, as a as a woman coming uh, up after the seventies and eighties, how are you getting treated in Hawaii as a fifteen year old? You'd actually get called in to waves sometimes there, which you wouldn't want, Steady. really. <laughs> so, yeah, go this big one, you know. So, um, But, yeah, just the day in, day out, getting getting burned. If you ever went to a different beach, was just, yeah, every day you get dropped in on. On the north side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so heaps of beef, hey, between, like, Manly and uh, even going to Curly and stuff. No dice? Um, yeah, would, well, yeah, couldn't surf Queensy or anything, so. Wow. Surf North Stain, can't go north of the pipe. Back in the day. <laughs> oh, any uh, any really memorable uh, cones you're in and just <laughs> saw someone drop oh, in? Oh, yeah, Tom Tom Carroll. It's got to be Tom Carroll. <laughs> Tommy can't help himself. Yeah, well, Tom, <laughs> me, he dropped in on me at J-Bay once, but we'd done crossovers and it actually made it work. But um, but Tom Carroll was the ultimate. Special for a fade, Tommy? Yeah. Okay, we got one more. Um, yeah, mate. So who on tour have you witnessed... The biggest cone being pulled of all time. Ripping cones? Yeah. Packing cones or ripping cones? Packing and ripping cones. If you pack a cone... Packing and ripping. If you pack a cone, you've got to rip it. I remember it. being in J-Bay, uh, oh, might have been 2009, and uh, I was on the hunt for a bit of for a bit of butt as you are, a bit of Durban poison, and uh, I ran into um, Chris Ward, actually, of all people, and... Uh, and Wardo's like, oh, you're looking for weed? And he just reached into his pocket and pulled out this handful of pocket bud and just slammed it in my hand. And, yeah, Wardo, I love a bit of pocket bud. You know when and people got loose nubs just rolling around their pocket? So classic. So, yeah, that'll be it. And Wardo, also, mate, the guy could throttle a cone. I've watched that guy at Desert Point just get fucking so mindlessly pitted for five hours. He's an absolute glutton. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable in the tube, that guy. Water v the predator at Desert Point. I've never seen someone get so fired as the predator at Desert Point. Eddie Blackwell at Desert Point, very impressive. Also, yes, there are two of the best. I just want to say, if you're surf- if we're all surfing cones, Russell Bjorki's surfing chillums. Catfish back up again. Bring it home, catfish. Yeah, Ock. Um, years ago, I read a story. I think in tracks that. Um, in Hawaii, you were on a motorbike, yeah. driving a motorbike in a pair of green billabong shorts, a leather jacket, and spotted Tom Carroll and I think Martin Potter coming out of the, the gym and you stacked it into the back of a car, did a flip over the top, landed on your feet, said, how are you going, boys? Can you tell me, is that true? It's true. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I did it. I don't want to actually tell you what I had for breakfast that morning. But um, couple of these. <laughs> but I did do it, and uh, couple of sausages. Yeah, and like, I actually, I actually, I, I took the bike without uh, being allowed to, and I crashed the bike in a guy's hire car, and he was, it was so hard to lift the bike up and get and escape the scene of the crime, but I did. Uh, but I did hit the back and done a somersault and land on my feet. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Only you get the prize. There he goes. He gets the prize. It's a five hundred dollar voucher for the man in the blue. It's Catfish gets it. Catfish. Up the Swellians. We'll see you next time. Up the Aladala. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me?
Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 Kidding me? Kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. 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 Oh, you gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Kidding me? Are you kidding me? Kidding me? You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me? Are 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 you fucking kidding me? You've got to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?